Ricky Gervais sees ghosts, Jackie Chan touches Chris Tucker's radio, and Garfield and friends are ready to party this week on 30-20-10. Hello, everybody, and welcome to 30-20-10, your weekly look back in time to 30-20 and 10 years ago. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me today? I see dead people, even though I don't want to. Diana Goodman. Uh-huh. It's me, Sarah, coming back from a head injury to win gold. <laughs> and uh, I don't know what any of that's teasing, but there is a ton of, like, in the small monoculture of 88 to 98, every TV show you care about sort mm-hmm. of begins right now. Uh, this is going to be a real exciting week for television, less so for less so for movies and uh a real big bummer week in cancellations out mm-hmm. for many of you listening. But a big week, say. one big week for books. Oh, a big week for books. All right, all right. The book fans hey, out there. You know what else is getting canceled? What? The economy. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> so many people's hopes and dreams. Oh, well, okay. Well, okay, that's all very good teases. <laughs> so let's hurry up and get into 30 2010 where you look. This week we'll be covering September, the week of September 14th to the 20th uh, in 1988, 1998, and 2008. Get ready to remember a bunch of stuff because that tends to be what happens here. It's not only uh, remembering the stuff you watched, listened to, played, uh, recorded, or loved. It usually will like, oh, I was in this room, mm-hmm. in this city, with these people. Oh, my God. Like, I, I don't know. I love that aspect of the show. It also jogs your memory, I found, for things that you forgot that you loved that existed. Which, in doing research, I'm like, oh, damn, I forgot that I love that thing. That will happen in this episode. Yes. I guarantee it. So please stick mm-hmm. with us. We got a lot to talk about. Beginning as we always do in 1988, September 14th to the 20th, here's a little bit of ultra 1988 news. Uh, Forbes has put out its list of highest paid entertainers. And it's really shocking because there's a giant upset this year. Michael Jackson has overtaken Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby has been unseated as the highest paid entertainer. And I don't know how this works because it's Bill Cosby was the highest paid entertainer above Steven Spielberg. Wow. And I guess I guess in 1988 Amblin wasn't like making everything in the universe. It didn't have yeah. like a bunch of shows on television. It was just no. making movies. I think our next Spielberg movie coming up is Always. <laughs> <laughs> now that that literally explains everything. But yeah. uh, again, this is according to Forbes, not me. The list is weird like this. Michael Jackson, mm-hmm. Bill Cosby, uh Steven Spielberg, Sylvester Stallone, it is 1988, Eddie Murphy, and right yeah. behind Eddie Murphy at number 6 you would never guess it in a million years. Charles Schultz. Wow. Charles, <laughs> Charles Schultz is banking on, on his Peanuts characters and merchandise and TV specials, and he's still producing. He's still got another, what, 12 years of producing that comic strip. That's a pretty diverse list. Mm-hmm. I mean, the top two How far down the list do we hit a woman, though? <laughs> yeah, fair. Ugh. I mean, um, who, who would it be? Madonna, maybe? It'd probably be Roseanne. You'd be just as upset. Um <laughs> No, in 88, I think we have the debut of Roseanne coming up. Do we really? That is really weird. We are sitting on, we have a a shadow episode out there where we talk a ton of praise about Roseanne. And when I was going to, I was like a week before we were putting it out. It's like, oh no, (laughs) it is not the time to sing Roseanne's praises. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Roseanne in quotes, the not the show, the character or the person. The show, the show specifically. That's fair. But it's, uh, it was awesome. 
In a transcript, it looks exactly the same. Roseanne is great. They never should have canceled Roseanne. Um, Roseanne has been canceled. Yes, I agree with everything Roseanne did. Um, <laughs> she made great choices. Before, in, before 1996, yes. Uh, but, uh, but movies, we'll jump into the movies real quick. Ooh, speaking of money, Fish Called Wanda is number one at the box office? What the fuck? Yeah. This is the longest amount of time in history it has taken for a wide-release movie to creep up to number one. It took it 10 weeks. Wow. Really? Because I don't don't feel like... You see, there's not a lot else out, and great word of mouth, obviously, because it is like the funniest movie of the year. So, yeah, it just sort of creeps back up there. And you'll note, I don't know if anyone noticed, but Die Hard, which came out that same week, it's never been number one. Really? That is astonishing. Mm -hmm. It's the movie from 1988, we all remember, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and I guess it did okay. Die Hard didn't have the luxury of like being mentioned at all these award shows because it's not yep. really an award friendly movie. But Fish Called Wanda was. So if there was any like SAG comedy, Golden Globe, right? Any award yeah. show, it's probably talking about Fish Called Wanda. That's true, but we're not into award season yet. That's true. Uh, award season was even later back then. The Oscars are probably going to be in March or like early April. I'm, like, sure, oh, fish, God, I'm sure Fish Called so Wanda long. got nominated for a Soul Train Award or it's, something like that. It had more like stars you would recognize, I think, at that point. I mean, th- again, this hmm. is like, I don't know if Bruce Willis was such a household name yet, right? Oh, no, he was off of Moonlighting. Absolutely. Oh, Moonlighting. Mm. I always forget about I, that. Yeah, I wasn't. I, I Moonlighting, I saw my first episode of Moonlighting when a teacher called in sick in high school. <laughs> In the in the uh, mid nineties, someone like the Wild West back then. I'd never heard of moonlighting before, ever. But you were a little baby. I was a tiny little little dumb baby, um, and I so I don't. The, this week again, this rarely ever happens to me. Where like I haven't seen anything in the section of nineteen eighty eight. I've barely yeah. heard of any of these. Yeah, we're in that weird period. September can be pretty dry, you know, like the summer's over, but we're not into like prestige and holiday mm-hmm. times. So we have a lot of stuff that's just sort of, eh. so, I haven't heard of like most of these. And I haven't either, especially the more I looked into Run DMC's Tougher Than Leather. <laughs> Yeah, which and, is so hard to find anything about the movie because the album is so huge and it's out this week. And the, I mean, the movie is on YouTube, but there's like very little information about it. Part black exploitation film, part spaghetti western. Ooh. Directed by Rick Rubin and has the fucking Beastie Boys in it. Like, wow. I guess it's just a bunch of stuff tied. I, the music rights have to be a bitch for this movie. I guess so, but like I said, someone snuck it onto YouTube, so I kind of want to. I think I'm going to watch it now. Yeah, I mean, it sounds uh, it sounds incredibly interesting. Miles from Home, a movie I know nothing about. Richard Gere, Kevin Anderson, John Malkovich, Brian Dennehy, Penelope Ann Miller, Helen Hunt. Does those mean, names mean anything? Diana, shit, does this equal a movie worth watching? Uh, it sounds like no. It is directed by Gary Sinise, which is kind of cool, what? and <laughs> the plot sounds a lot like Hell or High Water. Really? Okay. About guys getting pushed off their farm, so they start robbing banks and giving the money back to the poor people. Okay. And, and I think because it's directed by Gary Sinise and he worked with Steppenwolf Theater, that's why there's so many great people in it. Yeah. Pretty much wherever Sinise shows up, Malkovich is going to come to. Weird. So, uh, Just because of yeah. the strength of mice and men? <laughs> uh, I mean, that's part of it. No, they're both in Steppenwolf Theater in Chicago. That's right. That's right. Um, but the rest of the movies we all have clips for. And Diana, I'm going to have to throw most of this to you because I don't know anything about these. They don't even ring like that VHS movie rental box 
ticked. Right. I, but I remember very vividly. I have never seen or even seen the, the, the cover of any of these films. Nope. But, well, I got trailers for everybody, and they, they do a good job of explaining because it's 88, and we, <laughs> we explain very clearly. Oh, you mean voiceovers were a big deal in movie trailers? They were. Yes. yes. We, we covered that time, a little bit. Laser Time just did a, an entire episode examining trailers. Yeah. Uh, that, that was, was really, so really much fun. fun. Oh, thank you, Dime. Oh, thank you, yeah. guys. I loved um, that. No, and uh, not to tease it, but you're going to love next week's episode, Diana, because it's all oh. about um, documentaries made about making a single movie. Oh, yeah. That was super fun. Oh, and, and I know you can guess like three movies we're going to be talking about <laughs> yeah, right probably. in your head oh, right yeah. now. Uh, say the initials of one of them. <laughs> H-O-D. Uh-huh. That's the first one we talk about. That's in the, the big one. one. Yeah, yep. that's the big one. And it has disappeared from... Sh- 302010 is the show I'm doing right now. Um, and we're apparently talking about a movie called Cellar Dweller. Yeah, it's a great, uh, it's, it's a really good 80s horror movie. Horror I see trailer, Jeffrey Combs though. in it. Hell yeah, it's got Jeffrey Combs in it. So I'm already there because mm-hmm. I love Reanimator. But, but you made a note, it also stars Brian Robbins, who's now an executive at Viacom. Oh, yeah, he's a huge executive. Wow. So I love what so many of these people, like, they start out really low in the entertainment industry and then like they become a producer and like they find their group they find the thing in entertainment that they're good at Mm -hmm. so i love when i find someone like that like brian robbins Mm -hmm. or dean devlin who's has you know acting jobs in shitty movies and then they turn into like important people this is like the mail room of (laughs) movies and uh but this is cellar dweller people that's the ghost of colin childress 30 years ago he butchered a woman with an axe and then set himself on fire. It's dark. It's gloomy. It's filled with terror. Don't even think about going down there. So why can't people stay out of the cellar? I love to be frightened. If you love to be frightened, then this cellar is the place to be. You should have said, then this is your number one cellar. <laughs> That's what I would have done. This, why wasn't I right? This was released in theaters? It's difficult uh, to say. Hard to say. Nominally, maybe. I mean, we haven't talked about it in a while, but like at this point, the VHS market is a all new market for mm-hmm. movies that never see a movie theater but are still endearing as hell. And nobody would know that better than Jeffrey Combs. Uh, yep. <laughs> he's using a ton of those. Um, uh, yeah, so there's something spooky in the cellar, and uh, at some point it looks like maybe there's a werewolf down there, too. I don't know. <laughs> it's Whatever. First, there's a werewolf good, in the basement! The first good, time. Basically, no one likes their basement. They're always spooky and weird, smell weird, and yeah, know, there's man. a haunted basement! I, I feel like they're either spooky, in pop culture, they're either spooky, or it's where someone gets high and loses their virginity. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> where I first got finger blasted. I'm kidding, I'm from Florida. We never had basements. We don't, have we don't know basements. what those are about. It's too wet here. Uh, up next is Messenger of Death. Uh, I believe Charles Bronson's ninth uh, affiliation with this director, whose name I didn't bother to write down, because that's how many movies Charles Bronson made that are exactly like whatever this is. <laughs> there, I could have just used this same trailer for like every Charles Bronson movie. <laughs> too bad. We're going to play it anyway. about in three years. Here it is, Messenger of Death. Charles Bronson is investigating a senseless massacre. <laughs> That's become an explosive confrontation. This idea of murdering people to save them, it's crazy. A mysterious cult is seeking revenge, and Charles Bronson's the only one who can stop them. Looks like we got a lab one here. Charles Bronson, Messenger of Death. Now playing at a 
They they said in 20 seconds, they said the name Charles Bronson yes. three times because they wanted you to know that more than anything yeah. about this film. But it looks like a cult yeah. in a small town. Okay. And they need shooting. And they need shooting. Uh, this movie doesn't reveal anything from its title, but i am got to say I'm intrigued by Christopher Walken and Mickey Rourke starring in a 1988 movie called Homeboy. Yep. It's not what you think about. Okay. You think it's going to be something very different. I want Christopher Walken in a fucking wrap-off tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. That's what I wanted. He was born to be a fighter. You can knock this guy out. He ain't got no heart. Boom! Boom! All right, let's do it. Bred to be a contender. What's the guy's name? Johnny Walker. Johnny Walker. It's a great name. He could have been a champion. He's crazy. Killing yourself. Hey man, I won. But if you were in better shape, you would have knocked that piece of shit right out. A winner among losers. Okay, okay. Okay. Man, this this movie because we got to see the visual version of it on our end. Sorry, listeners. It makes the fight scenes in Rocky look amazing because Mickey Rourke is not working very hard. <laughs> He's like barely touching the guy. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. This just looked boring. Yeah. Uh, homeboy, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I love Christopher Walken in anything, but as a corner man, that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> but this seems to be the thing that got Mickey Rourke into boxing a bit. Like, uh, I, I believe he wrote the screenplay or he co-wrote the screenplay. Really? And yeah, and his his career was hurting pretty bad around this point he's, it's starting to go down and yeah around 91 he decided to like try to become a professional boxer jesus wow uh huh? and that's one of the many reasons his face looks like this. <laughs> okay, is this was, where his face starts to go downhill uh, i was looking for the joke yeah, yeah. it really does uh we also another sim an, uh, intriguingly titled film uh jason patrick steve stephen bauer george Zundaza, <laughs> Stephen Baldwin. Oh, you almost said that right. Stephen Baldwin. This movie I am kind of intrigued by because it is about something that we saw a bunch of movies in the 80s about, but mm -hmm. it is from a different point of view. Ooh, the... uh, it's about Afghanistan and the Russians, but it seems like the Russians are not the bad guys. Okay. The, uh, yeah, so this is the 1988's The Beast of War. Konstantin Kovarchenko is a Russian soldier. He's fighting a war he does not believe in. Put him under the track. Under a commander he cannot trust. Forward! In a machine his enemies call the Beast. When the old man gets on your back, there's no way to shake him off. Okay. Ooh, so about the Russians fighting the Afghans? Mm-hmm. Holy Weird. shit. Weird. Holy but shit. Sympathetic to one of them? Oh, no. I, I don't what? know. My brain can't take about, that. Yeah. But what about when Rambo shows up <laughs> and blows them all up and then plays that one game that they have on horseback with the dead goat? Is this a Rambo 3 reference die? Because I'm not of getting any of this. I was. <laughs> no, that's something Sylvester Stallone does for fun. It could be. I don't know. He plays it, hockey with a dead goat. That's and this is our. This is like our third Stallone reference. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was on the Forbes list. Who knows yeah, what kind yeah. of weird sports those guys are into? Right. Uh, goat polo. And our final, <laughs> our final movie that may or may not exist: The Prince of Pennsylvania, starring Bonnie Bedelia and uh, Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves at his 80 Keanuist, man. This is beyond Bill and Ted. This really? This is 80s oh, peak Keanu. I love that. Hit the trailer and you will see what I mean. Actually, I'm sorry. It's not a trailer. It is a clip outlining the plot. I was going to say, right now we're looking at a trailer. A picture <laughs> of a trailer on the screen. That's <laughs> how, how it starts out. Sorry. Carla, I know how to fix everything. 
What are you talking about? Just, just hear me out. That's all I ask. This land is worth a lot of money. But my dad's just sitting on it. He won't sell it. Well, suppose someone had to sell it. Suppose someone had to sell it to pay a ransom. <laughs> suppose we kidnap my father. Kidnap your Okay, Rupert, even for you, this is one of the most lame brain things. Call, call, you can, we can do it. I believe you. Oh. But can you do it in 90 minutes? My God, this acting is that <laughs> <much> good. <laughs> Yikes. He looks like he's in a middle school play. And also, I rocked that ASIM Tegan and Sarah haircut like three years ago. Oh. <laughs> but it's, it's like way too asymmetrical. It's, it's like it really is just two different haircuts happening on the same head. It's literally a mullet turned sideways. He's doing a Cameron Esposito <laughs> poorly. Um, and, and, we, and like, uh, let's bounce into TV. Um, I got the cartoons here, Sarah. Are there anything that, that aren't cartoons this week coming out on television? No, I mean, all I had was, um, oh, well, the Flintstones kids. Oh, shit. No. I was supposed to grab that one. <laughs> I on, know how me. much we all love that. <laughs> Didn't we talk about this shit already? Can we pretend it never happened? You'll like it, I swear. Hold no. On. So as we talked about last week, the Flintstones kids is canceled, but it has one more super duper elongated drug special i would not oh, no i would not normally do this to you but what it does have yes you would no you're gonna like this i swear because i i think according to i should have done extra research on this but again it's gonna be for like one sound clip who gives a shit and you're gonna be mad at me for playing it anyway uh <laughs> someone comes to sing to them about drugs using a michael jackson song of course they throw in their you know the required rock puns uh, but if I'm not mistaken, it's Kip Lennon, the man who did Michael Jackson, who was Michael Jackson's singing double on The Simpsons, mm. uh, who sang Lisa, It's Your Birthday. Gotcha. So this is him on the Flintstones singing a Michael Jackson song about drugs. <laughs> you want to guess? Can I guess? Oh, yes, Pill Popper. <laughs> Popper. Nah. No, it's no? Junkie Diana. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> that motherfucker has a raptor on base. Oh, God, I, I love, hate the Flintstones. Uh, can we go back to talking about pup named Scooby-Doo? Because we gave that short shrift when you compare it to this garbage. There, uh, I'll, I'll try and bring you back in with the cartoon nonsense, Diana. Uh, there is okay. a new Superman show by Ruby Spears. It is terrible and lasts one season. But Superman mm. cartoons are important. Superman anything was like super important to me, and I would watch anything with Superman in it. Uh, be that the, the Fleischer cartoons... Uh, the Christopher Reeve movie, the George Reeves live action show, uh, or Super Friends. What I really like about this intro, at least, I wanted to highlight as a former Superman nerd, it combines my love for all that to introduce Superman. It looks like the Fleischer cartoons. They use the score, the John Williams score from the mm. oh, I love Richard Donner film. They use the narration from the opening of the George Reeves show, and they oh, use the narrator. Well, you have to. That narration's so awesome. And they use the narrator from Super Friends. The meanwhile, like he oh. gets to say it. So, like, I wow. wanted to make sure we played a little bit of this for the super uh, Superman fans like me. 
faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. See, for me, that makes me really happy. And that's combining, like, Jesus, 50 years worth of Superman minutia uh, into one one little thing no kid would ever get. But it was canceled like a year. Uh, what I did want to see is they have, like, they. it's one of those cartoons, this being the 80s and FCC regulations being what they are. They have like a Superman the more you know segment at the end of this where oh, Superman... Of course. That makes it an educational program. Right. Sure. Fulfilling their education hours. And now let's get ready to bore Diana once more. Um, <laughs> because I, I didn't find the intro to this I wanted, but did you ever see the show Cops? Not that one. No. The one that's an abbreviation uh-huh. of a fighting force from 2020. Uh-oh. I don't know how you sell sell a show in 2018 based around... Really, really, really talented and lethal cops. Mm-hmm. But uh, in, in 1988, uh, this was on for two seasons. Most of, I only remember it because it had a lady ca- character named Miss Demeanor. Ah. Uh, I, I wanted to find a, the intro where they yell out all their names, but this will tell you what it's about. Cops, central organization of police specialists, fighting crime in a future time, protecting Empire City from Big Boss and his gang of crooks. That's all you get. The hmm. uh, show oh, lasted two God. seasons, but there's a bunch of episodes of them because there's just so much fun stuff to talk about. Sort of wish Brett was here, but he probably wishes he wasn't. <laughs> hmm? We have both sung the praises of one Jim Varney uh, and the Ernest P. Worrell character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the one thing the one thing I'm not fully behind when, with Ernest, and I'm just about everything I'll watch with Ernest in it, is his Saturday morning TV show, Hey Vern, it's Ernest, which debuts this this week's on Saturday. We do it. We did an entire laser time where Brett tells you everything you need to know about Ernest. Uh, the funny thing is, is that like it's just something that doesn't really exist anymore. This weird, independently owned, half owned by a dairy company commercial pitchman <laughs> that ends up becoming a huge celebrity, and Disney's putting him in movies as that character. Jim Ernest was a character who talked to his friend Vern right. and usually like, Vern, did you know Brady Bunch was on every day on KTL4? <laughs> uh, like, Sprite really is the best clear cola. Like, that's what he did. He did commercials in every territory for every product and eventually started making films. And I guess that's kind of petering out. And or there's a Pee Wee Herman shaped void in mm. the live action Saturday morning uh, TV show host. But Hey Vern, it's Ernest only got 13 episodes and... Even for Ernest stuff, I remember like, I can't wait to watch this. And I look at it and like, this is low rent even for Ernest, which some of that stuff Good is like... Lord. Yeah, Holy. there's like, you barely have a microphone out yeah. here. Uh, but it, it's themed differently. It has all your favorite... And, and, and Nelda is there. I love I love Ernest characters. Dr. Otto of Dr. Otto and the Riddle of the Gloom Beam, where Ernest, I think, debuted, mm-hmm. is also in this kid's show. But yes, they like, not unlike Laser Time, they pick a topic every show. And uh, Ernest, Baby Ernest, or Bobby and Chuck would do little sketches about it. Morning, Vern. Boy, Vern, I think your butterfly collection is really neat. And I think hobbies are great. Everybody ought to have one. Because a hobby gives you a chance to learn about something in your spare time and relax with something that's real special to you. There are all kind of great hobbies like stamp collecting and trout fishing and, and curing hams. But I think butterfly collecting is one of the neatest hobbies of all. Sorry, Vern. Uh, I don't think I woke any of them up. <laughs> I love this man. I love this man. They're dead. Yeah. 
You'll be happy to know this has been re-released on DVD, so you can actually oh, buy it God. again. It, oh, thank I, God. Have you ever seen um, Good Eats with Alton Brown? Mm-hmm. This looks a lot like it, basically. <laughs> does he drop? Does he drop stuff all the time? No, but it's just the same, like talking to camera, super close up, weird, like goofy Sweet. camera Brown, angles. You owe Jim Varney. Money. I think so. Uh, but it was it was canceled pretty quickly. But at least mm-hmm. it's out there for you to enjoy. It's just that like Ernest was a character that was naturally acceptable and beloved by kids but seeing him like kind of pander to kids is weird mm. uh, i thought i don't know i still love Ernest because he seems like your nicest least drunk uncle <laughs> <laughs> and lastly but not leastly uh probably the mo- the biggest animated debut of saturday morning i think that we'll talk about this year is uh the debut of garfield and friends ladies and gentlemen garfield and friends I don't like that intro. Hold on. I want to play this one. This is the one I really like. Ladies and gentlemen, Garfield and Friends. We're, we're ready, ready to, to party. We're ready to party. We're ready. Yeah. I hope you bring lots of spaghetti. This is so weird. And I, look, I've said this before. The Laser Time Network is pretty much a giant exploration of nostalgia to see what does and doesn't hold up. I can't explain what we like so much about Garfield as a character in a comic, but his animated specials in this show are really good. Mm -hmm. I really like them. I have watched them semi-recently. They hold up a lot better than those fucking Garfield movies or whatever he's done in CG. Uh, And this is the debut of his television show, which would run for a long time. Long, long time. Okay, that yeah, because I remember watching this, right. and like a lot of these nineteen eighty eight cartoon things you talk about, I was still pretty young, so mm-hmm. I is unlikely that I have a great memory of this. This I definitely remember watching. Well, because what most Saturday morning cartoons don't do, because they only go two seasons, they don't end up being syndicated. Mm-hmm. So this would eventually run on Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network. We're on Cartoon Network for like ten years. It still runs on the Boomerang Network as we. St- here as we sit Jeez. in the year 2018, uh, it's it's a fine show. And, and like if you were also a little kid, do you, Diana, do you remember U.S. Acres? Laser Time also did a comic strip show. It's it was something I was a huge fan of comic strips. And after Garfield was very successful, Jim Davis, the creator of Garfield, also created U.S. Acres. It ran in papers for a, a year, but like people fucking hated it hmm. and were really mean to it. And I was and I just remember as a little kid with no internet, like what happened to the farm? comic that looked like Garfield. Uh, where did that go? It just disappeared. And then all of a sudden it debuts as like a companion cartoon in Garfield and Friends. Those are the and friends. Mm-hmm. They don't mean just yeah. Odie or John or the lesbian nurse who <laughs> won't fuck John. Uh, they, <laughs> sure, means, that's why. It means Orson and the rest and, and Wade. Right. and That uh, one that's an egg and that guy, <laughs> that one duck that's got the swimmer the ring on. Oh, yes. With, a, with, a, with the companion pig? head that moves. There's a pig. There's, yeah. That's Orson, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. Now, I, I, I dump on how shitty cartoons were back then and continue to rant about how good cartoons are now. I watch this a lot. I loved Garfield. I haven't seen it since then, so I'm not going to pass judgment on whether it holds up. The fact that it's rerunning constantly right. does make me feel a little better about it like it's probably a little bit better because so many of these crappy things they fall by the wayside right. if they just don't have any quality behind them but you can you can show a kid garfield and friends and know they'll be safe and entertained for at least half an hour and speaking of half an hour like that was 
the show was so popular the next season it's like we're doing a full fucking hour of this they got the smurfs treatment so there are over 120 episodes almost 400 segments of the garfield and friends tv show and if you're a bit of an animation nerd like me um the first couple garfield cartoons were uh specials and they were produced by the Bill Melendez company, the company that made the Peanuts cartoons. And he literally like, mm-hmm. I don't have the time to work year round on Charlie Brown stuff and Garfield. So uh, a guy who worked for him made a company, uh, Phil Roman, created a company called Phil, Film Roman. If you're a Simpsons fan, it gets brought up all the time in Talking Simpsons. Film Roman would eventually get the job of making the Simpsons because how efficiently and well they made Garfield. Hmm. And this is kind of the company hmm. that, that launched them. They would go on to make King of the Hill and a bunch of other stuff you love. Uh, but they they made their bones with with Garfield, uh, both in specials and this television show. But yeah, it's been it's it's still running. It's still out there. It's on Hulu. Uh, yeah, no, I have. It's one of those things when like I love making Garfield more than anybody, especially when it tweets a nine eleven remembrance picture, oh, God. Uh, such as this week. That was uh, <laughs> but this show, yeah, it's I don't know. It's perfectly it's it. Perfectly fine. You may not love it as an adult, but a kid will love it, and that's all that's really important, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, yeah. And I think that's the no- most notable thing for TV in 1988. It actually, it ran the longest of anything we talked about. Yeah. I mean, we also, though, had the Seoul Olympics. Oh, yes, yes. And that, was, that, that actually had like a couple of... Well, the biggest event in that that I think most people will always remember is Greg Luganis hitting his head on the springboard. Oh, my God. Happened right. oh my during God. this one, during preliminaries. And it was a big deal because, for many reasons, mainly because it's horrific to watch. Like, mm-hmm. you watch it and you feel it in every, like, bone of your body. But did we know he, about his blood at this point? No. Okay, he so that's what I remember. He had not disclosed that any, uh, to anyone. Mm-hmm. So that also turned it into kind of a big deal. And he ended up... It turned up, it into a longer deal that we yes, talked about it much it longer. It actually wasn't a big deal because... You know, that's it, not it, how AIDS spreads. Exactly, can't survive. Greg Luganis had, I believe, it was a uh, full-blown AIDS, as the doctors call it, mm. and <laughs> and hit his head and may have bled in the pool. And like uh, up to a year after that, people were still talking yeah. about like, do the other swimmers have AIDS? Like, Jesus, guys. He had a concussion yeah. too, and then he went on to win gold. Mm. It's still really in the same Olympics. See, yeah, look at the story I remember. God damn it! Right, I know. Also, <laughs> though, yeah, you remember the HIV part, which didn't come out until years later. Years yeah. later. Yeah. And then also uh, another thing of note is Flojo just wrecks Ooh. a record. She mm-hmm. uh, breaks the two hundred meter record twice mm. while she's in Seoul. Jesus, she was just like the best man. She's Flojo, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'll take your word Known for it. Known for her long fingernails and also running really fucking fast. <laughs> <laughs> it was harder to get me to watch sports in 1988 than it is now. So yeah. I, you know, I was not watching any of this. But that that wraps up our television segment. Uh, that can wrap up our television segment. And is this going to be another Boy Is My Case in 1988? Is Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses going to be number one for weeks and weeks and weeks? Uh, no. No. Back in 88, things would actually cycle through. Okay. 98 has been the year where it's just been like, oh, between two songs, that's half the year. And then 2008, it takes forever for things to cycle (laughs) out of number one. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Next year is going to be so bad for that. No, God. 2009. I, I've been prepping already for 2009, and half the year will be two songs. Wow. Well, wow. it sucks. That's the biggest thing happening in music right now, charts-wise, but we also have a bunch of new releases. Uh, a lot of new releases. A yeah. lot. Let's see how many I mispronounce. Workers Playtime by Billy Bragg, Spirit of Eden by Talk Talk, Bluebell Knoll by the Cocktoo Twins, 
Uh, State of Euphoria by Anthrax. Tender Prey by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Watermark by Enya, which includes... Uh, Oh, here it comes. Ornico Flow, Sail Away. Sail Away, Sail Away. Sail Away, Sail Away. Yeah, fucking, it's the perfect LaCroix advertisement song. (laughs) It's like, it it was in the trailer for eighth grade this year, which I thought was. was? I'm pretty sure, yeah, it is. I didn't know that song was that old. Uh, Any Love by Luther Vandross, uh, New Jersey by Bon Jovi, which uh, will have several number one hits later uh, on in the year, and Tougher Than Leather by Run DMC, which happens to include Run's House. Look at us wrap it all together with a nice little bookmark. We will close out with Run's Run's House, but stay with us, people, because we have a lot of 1998 to talk about. Go move! Come here, real quick. Come on, come on, 30, 20, 10, fellas. Is that hairline of yours slowly starting to move backwards? It's okay, you can tell me. Do you have any bald spots back there? Hey, look, if you're sensitive now, how do you think you're going to feel a year from now? Maybe it's time to do something about it. I remember when I did, but holy lord, that medication can be expensive. But Hims has a solution. And right now, 30, 20, 10 listeners can get a trial month of Hims for just five bucks today, right now, while supplies last. It's true, 66% of men lose their hair by the age of 35. But luckily for Hims, Hims.com is a one-stop shop for hair loss, skincare, and sexual wellness for men. So what Hims does is they connect you with real doctors who offer you medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss. And we're not talking snake oil pills or stuff you buy at a truck stop. We're talking real prescription solutions backed by raw science. Or to be specific, we're talking about well-known generic equivalents to name brand prescriptions. I'm not allowed to say them, but if you know what I'm talking about, Hims might be for you. And perhaps one of the best things about Hims is no waiting room. There are no awkward doctor's visits, and you can save hours just by going to forhims.com. It's so easy. You just answer a few quick questions and a doctor will review and then prescribe you. And after that, products are shipped directly to your door. No more pharmacy lines or 13-year-old magazines in the waiting room. Your prescriptions come right to you. So, order now. 30, 20, 10 listeners get a trial month of Hims for just 5 bucks today, right now while supplies last. See the website for full details, and remember, this could cost you hundreds if you went to a doctor or a pharmacy. So go to forhims.com slash 30, that's the word 30. Let me spell it out for you. F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash T-H-I-R-T-Y. Forhims.com slash 30. To get a trial month of for just five bucks. Coming in with the dope show off of Marilyn Manson's Mechanical Animals. I believe this is one of his most successful albums to date. Like Marilyn Manson was like a kind of an underground thing and a whisper, like, dude, I hear this evil music Mm -hmm. called Marilyn Manson. But this like shot right uh, right up the charts with Mechanical Animals, and you'd remember the video from the one where he has a fantastic set of breasts Mm -hmm. um, and no penis. Tit talk. Tit talk once again on (laughs) thirty twenty ten. 
two weeks in a row. Uh, but we're in 1998, if the dope show wasn't proof enough. Uh, there's also new music releases. We have Step One by The Steps, The Christmas Attic by the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, The Band's final studio album, Jubilation, uh, Musical Chairs by Hootie and the Blowfish, and Bathhouse Betty by Bette Midler. And I Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Aerosmith is number one because there's no justice in the world. Uh, the Christmas Attic is always on rotation for me in the holidays. I, I love trans I just Orchestra. bought it on vinyl with you. It's Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. We bought it. That's one of the things we bought at the thrift. That's the, right. The, the swap meet. Yeah. I love Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Ooh, and I did yeah, manage to... I, I went through it trying to figure out, like, okay, which one is this? And it turns out, oh, they've done a bunch of Christmas albums. They've done a bunch, and it's and not, not the one. I'm not able to tell the difference because I'm a Jew. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, this isn't the one that has the one that we all know, which is Christmas in Sarajevo, which is, like, the rock, like... Yeah. Oh, right, right. It's the one when, when Macaulay Culkin like really gets shit ready when the, the burglars are coming over. He runs home. Uh, the, the montage of setting up the house for the is wet Is that Trans-Siberian Orchestra? I don't fucking know, I but it so. seems like it should be. It's not. Uh, I got a little news to bring you into 1998. And I don't want to overshadow Al Lewis, Grandpa Munster, filing a lawsuit so he can get on the ballot <laughs> to be governor of New York. Because that is super important. True. And oh, I, what, what's it? But was this the time he sued because he wanted to be called Grandpa on the ballot? <laughs> Maybe that's what it was. I didn't look into it. Is that what I happened? I don't know if that happened then or if that was later. Because, yes, he tried to have a bit of a political career. And he argued, everyone knows me as Grandpa Al Lewis. And it is discriminatory against me. It puts me at an unfair disadvantage if I am just listed as Al Lewis. <laughs> if I walk down the street, everyone says, hi, Grandpa. Yeah, and that's I would have voted for Grandpa Munster, and he was uh, yes running as a member of the Green Party. Oh, uh, but that's mm-hmm. not for me. That wasn't the biggest news. I, I know they just announced a new iPhone. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're listening to this, probably on one of them. Uh, but this week, a new technology is unveiled uh, by another defunct company, Circuit City. For great advice about digital technology, head for Circuit City. If you're looking for a DVD player, make sure you choose one with DivX. Only DVD players with DivX play both DVD and DivX movie discs. DivX lets you watch movies at home for about what it costs to rent, but you never have to return movies or pay late fees. So, what? yeah, DivX, oh this is not the compression technology that you know about if you're stealing a bunch of shit on the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a, a proprietary thing Circuit City developed for DVDs. And it didn't work because they were kind of the only people who sold these things. What do you think they're talking about? Like just off the top of your head? Because you look confused, right? Yeah, I'm like, very What confused. is he talking about? He's talking about like watching movies for the price that it takes to rent it but never turning it in. Some sort of like couple time use DVD. Yeah, that's exactly that, what like, it was. That like self-destructs or yeah, something? Yeah, it was a DVD you threw away. <laughs> cool, nice and wasteful. Well, yeah, <laughs> really would have been. Terrible uh, idea. It was astonishing that like when it was announced... And, to Best Buy's credit, like that was closer to the future than what they were actually selling. They I were mean, sur- Circuit City's credit. Sorry, Circuit City. Yeah, yeah. Uh, than than what ended up running them out of business because they were like it's they were like old timey salesmen who made mm-hmm. commission on electronics. Everyone just wants to buy at Amazon now. Three hundred and forty nine dollar DVD player. Yeah, three hundred. But it had DivX, so yeah. you would go there and you'd rent a movie. It works exactly like Amazon, except you're taking the disc home. Wow. And you have a DVD player that's hooked up to the phone line. It knows when you pop the DVD in, you have 48 hours to watch this shit. And what I'm not clear on, because I don't think it like erased the DVD. It mm-hmm. just told the DVD player not to play this. 
So right. one, you had people like, I don't want no machine hooked up to the interwebs, knowing what I watch. Buy it on me. And like, oh you know, here we are now. Like, who gives a fuck? Like, Where nobody cares. Refrigerators yeah. that are hooked up to the internet <laughs> yes. that you can yeah. talk and, to. And I'm sure someone immediately wrote a patch that would stop the uh, the the unplayability issue. I, I didn't look into it enough, but I did. That's absolutely what I thought of, Diana. Yeah. That, like, you're saying someone can't pop this in a drive with the right VLC plug-in and not watch these DVDs forever? No, because they had... If you were hooked up in that player, you could, like, oh, the DVD's gone, but you want to upgrade to Divix Silver and you can watch it for yourself. I'm like, but this has none of the special features as the other one and the prices don't work out. Obviously, Divix did not take hold, but yeah. it was one of the more fast... Because, like, I remember I was an early DVD adopter. You had to shop around and, like... Ooh, I want to make sure, I guess, that it plays super VCDs. And, ooh, DivX? Yeah, I guess if you have an early DVD player odds are, and got it from Circuit City, odds are it has a little DivX logo, and you may have never known mm. what it meant. What an interesting mm-hmm. idea. But yeah, ultimately, it's totally ahead of its time, but it's like to tell right. them, like, yeah, you're going to hook this up to the, your computer so we know what you're watching at all times, and we'll tell you when mm. you can and can't mm-hmm. watch stuff, which goes against the foundation of home videos mm-hmm. for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, there we yeah, go. Just just the idea i i kind of miss this it's one of those things that's like you've just awoken a memory for me from about 2000 2001 mm-hmm. of people hacking dvd players so i got oh, yeah. i actually like looked it up i got a specific brand of dvd player Apex, that had to be a specific baby. kind so that i could burn uh, a program onto a cd put it in there oh. and i could make my dvd player region free oh yeah that, wow. that's why i it almost... hacked my dvd player and so i guarantee that someone figured out a way to to hack DVD players so that the DivX wouldn't no one would carry. You'd hack them so it'd play VCDs now so you could get, I don't know, anime videos or <laughs> like me, Mystery Science Theaters or whatever. Oh, Mystery Science Theaters. I, I'm going to post this on Instagram. I have nowhere else to say it. Um, I got Mystery Science Volume 9 and they released the Mystery Science comic book today as oh. of this recording. So I officially have completed my MST3K collection Volume 9 was the only DVD I didn't have and with a new comic book I have just been a huge fan and bought the two or three things a year they've released (laughs) throughout time and other than like like t-shirts like I own every mystery that comic is really cool by the way they take old public domain comics and like draw Tom (gasps) Servo into the characters so it is just like the show Anyway, we don't talk about new shit on this program. But yeah, that's that's Divix, ladies and gentlemen. Divix. We barely knew you. Um, but we got movies to talk about in 1998. Once again, nothing truly remarkable, but uh, no, that's not true. Uh, yeah. uh, we got a couple really good ones and a couple that, uh, you know, they're supposed to be okay. Mm-hmm. I, one is it, one, I don't know if we're ever going to watch them, though. One of them is a secret shame of something I've, I always wanted to watch because it just looked like something I would like and never did. But let's get these out of the, re- the way. Um, Melting Pot, a.k.a. Race, with uh, Paul Rodriguez, Cheech Pounder, and uh, Cliff Robertson. I don't know anything about this. Neighbors have race problems. Oh, no. With Claudette from The Shield and but Juan from A Million to One. it all works out, I guess. I was hoping it'd just be about fondue. Mm. <laughs> and Somewhere in the City with Sandra Bernard. Uh, uh, you got this. Ornella Muti, uh, Robert John Burke, Peter Stormare, and uh, Byling. Okay, so this one's odd. Um, the trailer makes it at first seem like it is like a romantic comedy about how Sandra Bernhardt just can't find a man to settle down with, but then it turns into like a pulp fictiony heist kind of thing. Ah, hmm. uh, the late 90s. So it sounds very, very 98. 
Um, but you may have seen some of these movies because Diana included trailers. <laughs> so. Well, these these are all more interesting, honestly. I've never heard of A Soldier's Daughter Never Cries. <laughs> uh, Lily Sobieski and Chris Christopherson film I've never, ever heard of. Two fun names, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, it really was. It was fun to say. <laughs> when she's gone. In a decade that celebrated freedom. Peace, brother. Peace, brothers. Peace, brothers. For an American girl growing up in Paris... It was the time that shaped the rest of her life. I want in. <laughs> her father was a famous writer. She said my writing seemed brutal but honest. I guess that's the honest part to say this. Her mother was a woman who lived on her own terms. Well, if the frogs try any funny business like trying to take my little boy away from us, I'll go straight to the president. I thought you were this big principled pacifist. Not when it comes to my kids, I'm not. I fold. With her adopted brother, she shared the wonders of childhood. Okay, what is what is this? This looks intriguing. What is so yeah, it's kind of a coming of age sort of movie. It is a Merchant Ivory production, so it's directed mm-hmm. by James Merchant, who last year finally won a damn Oscar for uh, the script for Call Me by Your Name. But they're better known for making like A Room with a View and Howard's End mm-hmm. and Remains of the Day. That was their the glory years. Now they're they're making good movies that nobody bothered to watch. All the reviews on this say it's pretty good. It's it, and right. it looks. I don't think I've ever seen a truly bad Merchant Ivory movie, so I'm mm. gonna believe them. I just mm-hmm. sort of shrug. I'm just not. I'm kind of not feeling it. But have you seen a bad Renee Zellweger movie? I would say never. Yes. For some <laughs> reason, I saw this in the theater. Why? My roommate really wanted to go see One True Thing, which is One a True mother thing. daughter mm-hmm. cancer weepy. Mm-hmm. with Renee Zellweger and Meryl Streep. I don't know why I paid to see this because, yes, it's very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, the acting is sad. Yes. But why am I going out on a Saturday night for this? I don't know. Maybe this clip will explain. Between a mother and a daughter, there is a distance. I'm just not up to dealing with her. You say, oh, you keep house. That's terribly interesting. That is about to be bridged. I want you to move home. I'll take care of her. For the very first time. Mom! Whose idea was this? It's the right thing. For who? Meryl Streep. Renee Zellweger, William Hurt. How do you do this every day? This is my family, Ellie. These are the people I love. One true thing. I love your mother! Rated R starts by... <laughs> I saw this too, Di, now yeah, that I see the Yeah, I've seen this. Uh, what does she have, like, dementia, cancer? Cancer, just yeah. cancer. It... I honestly, it. I don't think the trailer necessarily gives it justice, and maybe I'm in a certain place, but I feel like it does say some interesting things about the emotional labor that women do in families that are, mm-hmm. is not uh, de- dealt out to men in families, because here's an interesting thing. She has a brother who's also an adult who's <laughs> not in the trailer at all and isn't asked <laughs> to come home and take care of his dying mother of cancer, only mm-hmm. her with the career I don't know. Well, I, in his defense, uh, is his job really cool? Uh, yeah, he's a tennis pro, so... <laughs> I have no time. Oh, and she's a newspaper reporter at the New York Magazine. Wow. Or not the... New York Magazine. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. I I liked it. Mm-hmm. All the acting is really good, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. It does say some interesting... I mean, emotional labor is a real thing and something that's asked of women, I think... Wouldn't know. Yeah. House is a mess. Can't take care of myself. Yeah, uh, no, I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> the movie I feel like I always should have seen because I think they fucking advertised it in comic books was mm-hmm. Six String mm-hmm. Samurai. Yep. Um, and, which I, I saw and like I'm gonna watch that. I have a feeling I'm gonna like that, but I never saw it, and uh, I don't never heard of anybody who's in it. Jeffrey Falcon, Clifford Hugo, and Laura Whitty. It's extremely independently made. Yeah. 
Uh, maybe the trailer will get me interested all, all over again. Neither armies nor bowlers. Nice tuxedo. Nice tuxedo to die. Nor death himself. Don't let the four eyes reach Vegas alive. We'll keep them from their quest. I gotta get a new gig. Just a fucking warrior who battles with a guitar? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it's after the apocalypse, and uh, King Elvis has has died in Las Vegas, and now Buddy, who looks like Buddy Holly, who is also kind of uh, a samurai, uh, is going to fight his way to to try to claim the throne. So yes, he has a guitar, giant glasses, and a katana. This looks wonderful. Mm -hmm. and it does wonderful, and I'm so glad that the trailer has my favorite thing about this movie. And it's it's fun. It is so so low budget and and held together with scotch tape and trauma e. Mm -hmm. Honestly, it wishes it were trauma, um, but it's got a great score by the Red Elvises, who are <laughs> a wonderful band of Russian dudes who play rockabilly. Okay, and. It's so much fun. I, I know I saw... It, it I, really is. Get your buddies together and have your favorite illegal substance. Well, I know, <laughs> You'll have fun. I know I saw this film, and I'm trying to remember why. Was it this Ben Stiller directing Permanent Midnight? Mm -mm. Or no? Okay, just starring in it. I don't it. think so. With his buddy Owen Wilson as they do drugs uh, mm. and write Alf. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the, it's the story of Jerry Stahl, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember I never, ever paid attention to NPR in the car with my dad and he's like hey God, Chris this guy writes Elf I'm like I'm listening and then like uh, he starts the guy who's like then I created Elf and then I got addicted to heroin I'm like holy shit what a fucking fascinating story uh, the guy and, and so they they don't have Alf in this movie they couldn't afford him so they have another puppet who taunts him when he's going through withdrawals oh, wow. but it is the story of Jerry Stahl who's written a ton of other more notable stuff mm -hmm. at this point uh, than Alf but that's what made the story most interesting to me as a little kid yeah they sell the trailer as a comedy mm -hmm. um, yeah, and not... it is there's a lot of funny stuff in yeah. it but it, it's not there's a lot of really dark shit yeah LA I'm a writer I get it you're like this Hemingway type who like sold out to Hollywood just in the middle of the show for no reason whatsoever boom she pops out and she starts singing okay I don't know what she's doing like an Ethel Merman oh I love a parade so you uh you came out cold well, I have this friend, Nikki, kind of a drug buddy from high school. Where are my pills? You keep them in this thing? Let's find them. They could have just gotten up and walked away. If I was Perkin, where would I be? It's one of a, yeah, one of a dozen movies with Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, yeah, it's, I, I don't remember it being like super remarkable, but it's perfectly a wonderful little time capsule of not only 1998 filmmaking, but a story from the 80s. But everybody, everybody remembers this film oh, because yes. it was... The last time we saw Chris Tucker and anything else, because <laughs> he didn't do anything but Rush Hour between Rush Hour mm -hmm, 1 and 3 mm -hmm. for a period of over a decade. Yeah. Like, didn't do anything. Uh, but Rush Hour uh, comes out this week starring Jackie Chan and Christopher Tucker. Detective James Carter loved his job until he got a partner. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? No. The fastest hands in the East Do it again. team up with the biggest mouth in the West. Which one of y'all kick me? Jackie Chan. Bitch boy. Chris Tucker. Don't you ever touch a black man's radio, boy. 
Rush Ooh. hour. Rush hour, baby. And yes, never touch a black man's radium. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's <laughs> generally fair of any man, honestly. Yeah. Uh, or just any driver. You guys are weird that way. <laughs> Um, but Rush Hour, just a huge fucking phenomenon. And uh, I wasn't as friendly to it at the time as I am now, just because, like, Chris Tucker, I didn't realize would be, like, an inimitable character, even though he kind of did the same thing over and over again. Like, mm-hmm. no one else does him. And he didn't really do anything else other than Rush Hour after this. Yeah. I can't even think of, other than Jackie Brown, I don't know an- another film I saw with him in it uh, after this. And I was there for Money Talks Day One. But, uh,. <laughs> But it's also uh, Jackie Chan teaming up with Hollywood to make a good action comedy. Mm-hmm. And he didn't make a he didn't make a bunch of truly good action comedies that look like an old Jackie Chan film. This one doesn't truly have that either. But uh, it was a good use of Jackie Chan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got hints of. I mean, there's there's obviously some he gets some set pieces and they're not quite as big and crazy as they are in just a Jackie Chan Hong Kong movie, mm-hmm. but. They give him just enough that you 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 get that you get that Jackie Chan flavor. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't stand Chris Tucker. <laughs> but I watched this last night because research. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I was kind of right in that uh, Chris Tucker. He's fun when he's a motor mouth, but there's a point where his his tone gets really really high up, and all of a sudden I can't hear him anymore because he's talking so fast. Oh, and then my dog it. starts howling. <laughs> And it's just too goddamn much. Also, something I really didn't expect for this movie to be 20 years old and not age well, how often he whips his gun out and just waves it around at civilians. <laughs> I was terrified. I, I can't believe like... And some racist humor. Anyway. Just, just looking at it right now, and I'm... Wow, am I nostalgic for the buddy cop team-up? Yes. That becomes Probably. a blockbuster franchise? Because like... Yes. Oh my God, we haven't had that in like... That happened for like numerous decades and doesn't happen anymore at all. Yeah, we have not seen the. Well, we had uh, what's the the one with uh, the Rock and uh, Kevin Hart. This is true. Central Intelligence. Yeah, Central Intelligence. True. Thank you. Which I didn't see because I I don't know if the world cares that much anymore. But this I I cannot think of anything else like this that comes out nowadays. Mm-hmm. I and mean, everything's based on a, a goddamn book or cartoon anyway. But yeah. I think too for like a lot of non film invested people which like normies i guess normies. my age this might have been their first like real introduction to jackie this chan is true. This is and true. Yeah. uh i feel like this is the first time jackie chan came onto my radar and i remember just like yeah enjoying this during like you know like parties in middle school or whatever we would just like put this on yeah it was a fun one yeah, but it also gave us a uh, Brett Ratner as a big mover and a shaker. And uh, at this point, yeah, it is directing. Honestly, it's in this. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It's fine. I don't have a, a huge problem with it. Um, I kind of wonder if he's directing some of the Jackie Chan stuff, or if they just like just let him do what he's doing because he knows what he's doing. Like, I mean, there's towards the end, really at the end, there's an extremely Jackie Chan ish set piece where it's like we're fighting and there's bullets flying, but I don't want these antiques to get hurt. Which is Jackie Chan at his Jackie Chaniest, also being his Buster Keatonist. I mean, it, it's uh, cartoonishness, and, like Sylvester trying yeah. to eat a eat a fucking bird while not knock over any of Granny's antiques. Uh, yeah. Like it's it's wonderful. It's great where he's you know punching and kicking a guy, but also trying to hold up the giant vase. Mm-hmm. That's the shit that I come for for Jackie Chan. Yeah, I love I that love shit. Love that. Love that shit. I always recommend watching that video from Every Frame of Painting about Jackie Chan mm-hmm. about because he talks about what makes a Jackie Chan movie, and he has a fucking team of people who help him make these movies. So if 
Hollywood would have just let his team come in there and choreograph some of the action stuff. And I'm sure they did from time to time. Probably did. There's a couple. I'm like, yeah, I think I think those are just his guys. I mean, it helps that they're fighting a Chinese gang so he can just bring over his dudes from Hong Kong (laughs) that know what they're doing. All his, you know, all his stunt guys and and the Mm -hmm. other fighters and stuff. And yeah, just put all my friends in suits and they'll stand there not talking and fight. It'll be great. Yeah, exactly. Oh, but I could have used not so many jokes about like, there's a bunch of Asian tourists and I can't tell them apart. I'm like, oh, oh, come yeah. on, guys. That's Don't. rough. You're better than this. No, not not back then. No one was better than this <laughs> at this point, um, sadly. Uh, but yeah, Rush Hour is totally worth watching, man. I cannot believe I'm nostalgic yeah. for this shit now. Mm-hmm. I was so unappreciative of it at the time. Um, but we got to get into television of 1998, September 14th through the 20th. Um, I think the biggest it is again a bunch of Saturday morning cartoon stuff that I'll talk endlessly about until you hate me. Uh, but the biggest thing is probably TRL debuting. Yeah, which yeah, is huge. Is pretty nuts. Which which would run ten years almost to the day. Mm-hmm. Even though like reading about it, it's just like really cute to see how like young media was. Well, any kind of of live stream now is like who gives a shit? This mm-hmm. happens all the time on every device I have. But like. This is MTV figuring out, like, what if we just do what we're already doing and make it live and give it, put an audience out there. And this also coincided with, like, oh, shit, how would you describe it? Uh, Giuliani making a Times Square, a much more tourist-friendly environment, kicking out all the Mm -hmm. porn. They let MTV Mm -hmm. move in. Now MTV has a live set with a great view of Times Square. And then people who would just stand outside and look up into the windows mm-hmm. while people were... it was It's Woo! kind of a bizarre phenomenon looking yeah. back on it now. Jaw rule, sign my tits! Yeah, I mean, can you imagine being the parent of a preteen at that point and being, like, dragged to have to go to, oh like, God, a TRL suck. taping, oh like, on yeah, your we're going vacation? To New York. Don't you want to go to the Ellis Island Museum? I want to go to the TRL window! Yeah. Wow, I think you just Oof. described my last trip there as my ex, like, we have a Disney store in our town. Why do you need to go here? <laughs> like, oh. I must! It's bigger! I must. <laughs> um, it, but yeah, TRL is debuting. MTV had both call-in shows. They had voting shows. They mm-hmm. had list shows. But like, this was a beautiful combination of all of that. And it was one of, I think it's one of their longest-running programs ever. It's now back. Yeah. They have they have TRL again. Mm-hmm. I know. Like you, I'm just as mystified as to what is on MTV at any given time. <laughs> but yeah. uh, because I know it's not music, but the TRL is still going. Mm-hmm. Um. A bunch of other stuff debuted this week because, hey, we're just getting started uh, with new programming for mm-hmm. the for the season. Um, Mr. Potato Head show <laughs> I'd oh. never heard of. I would what? love to talk about that more because we talked about Killer Clowns directed by the Chiado Brothers. They're helping you bring a live-action puppet-based Mr. Potato Head show to Saturday mornings on Fox Kids. Uh, you also have the debut of Young Hercules, mm-hmm. the prequel mm-hmm. show to the Kevin Sorbo dramedy. No, I, Hercules. You're nodding. You know, remember who was Hercules in this one? It is Ryan Gosling. What? Ryan Gosling what? is Lil Herc. What? Nothing to do. Like, and remember, Disney's Hercules. Disney's had to had to call itself Disney's Hercules because there's so many fucking Hercules shows on the air right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but damn, he does kind of look like puny Hercules. Yeah. Now I think about it, a young Ryan Gosling. It doesn't looks make like any the sense. cartoon. It the, does. A cartoon of puny Hercules in the movie in the Disney. And uh, a show called The Army Show debuted on the WB. I found nothing notable about it other than starring David Anthony Higgins, the guy who wrote one of my favorite unsung movies, The Wrong Guy, and he played the uh, uh, Lois's work friend on Malcolm in the Middle. Uh, Mm. The the big guy. You know who he was. He was on a ton of Malcolm in the Middle episodes. Mm -hmm. I love that guy. He wrote The Wrong Guy and is in it, and he has all of my favorite lines. I love that guy. Um, 
but guess that guess what else gets revived this week? Hmm. Uh, Hollywood Squares. That's right. It's I think it's its, uh-huh. its longest break from the airwaves. Finally comes back to the airwaves with a bunch of I'd say better celebrity guests or at least people I now recognize because mm-hmm. like I didn't mm-hmm. recognize anybody on the previous versions. Uh, and I I'd say it's famous for, but I listen to this man's podcast a lot, the Gilbert Godfrey Amazing Colossal Podcast, uh, and they mm-hmm. talk about it plenty, but. Uh, there's a really great clip online because I think Gilbert Godfrey just, I don't know if it was his catchphrase or just his thing, but. Oh, you're suppo- is it you fool? You fool. Like just <laughs> trying to trick people into choosing his answer so he can then scream at them. And there's nothing. I, oh. I don't think that was so much a catchphrase as just he said it that one time and then it just became the running joke as the everyone. Yes. Like they keep getting things wrong and everyone, that Penn and Teller are yelling at him now. Yes. Everybody's yelling, you fool. Yes. It is hilarious. Gilbert Godfrey. When she heard that Phileas Fogg had done it in 80 days, journalist Nellie Bly beat him by doing it in 72 days. What did she do? Uh, this is rowing the Atlantic. I don't agree. You fool! <laughs> it's you fool is kind of always funny to me. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but we got Hollywood Squares that week. What else do we have up here? Is this Whoopi whoop, Center Square now? Yeah, I think I think she is officially like that was part of the thing that's like we've got better celebrities. It would be Goldberg is always center square. Yeah, Mm -hmm. she's an executive producer, so like, and Uh she's she's bringing in Bruce Valanche. He's on there a bunch. I remember him the most actually Mm -hmm. because I always wanted to see what T-shirt he's wearing. And Caroline Ray, who would leave the show to go pick up the void of Rosie O'Donnell's program, Mm -hmm. which she was Um, very good on. uh, Oh, Caroline Caroline Ray, Ray? yeah, yeah, to get her own version of that because like Rosie O'Donnell had like this huge show and just kind of like left it after five years. Mm -hmm. Somebody had to fill the void, and on September fourteenth, the same day as Judge Joe Brown debuted, we had the Roseanne Show, uh, which Uh, I'm going to talk show. uh, It was an awful talk show (laughs) uh, that you've been here, maybe been hearing more about lately. And I'm just going to spoil this because like next week's Laser Time is all about documentaries about movies. Uh, but it was inspired by Michael Moore having a new documentary. Mm-hmm. And he's been kind of teasing this clip uh, from his appearance on The Roseanne Show, uh, which is like, he keeps saying Tavern on the Green. I don't know if this is actually shot in a fucking restaurant. Yeah. But there are like audience members who are just like sitting at tables around them. They are just sitting at a table together. Huh. There's no desk. There's no couch. It's a fucking it's a restaurant table. Uh, but this is a great intro. My next guest is kind of the polar, philosophical polar opposite of Donald Trump, I think, but maybe not. We'll find out. He is a visible crusader for working class people, working class rights. His first film was the classic documentary Roger and Me, which was so great. And ever since, he has fought a never-ending battle, as has Donald Trump, for truth, justice, and the American way. Please welcome my blue-collar panelist, Michael Moore. So we want to have like a little bit of a panel because look, how, how could I avoid this? He's terrific, I tell you. I, loved, I loved what he did. Oh. If I was Roger, I wouldn't have liked it, but I, I enjoyed it. I oh. hope he never does one on me, though, I will tell you. Well. <laughs> 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 Sharpen your knives. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <That's> fun. <laughs> that is none other than our mad king, Donald Trump. Mm. On uh, That's the- weird to be talking about Trump in, in the sense of politics in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, whenever this was. Well, I, I mean, every that's... now and then he'd say something stupid about, like, the Central Park Five, but he wasn't really known as being political yeah if you want to get conspiratorial about it uh he gets more political every time he comes back from a visit from russia (gasps) we 
weird. It's strange people can put this timeline deck together. What a coincidence. Anyway. anyway. She looks fabulous, though. It's, That's it's, like the best I've ever seen Roseanne look. But it's more irritating because I had to, like, there is a 20-minute boring conversation with Donald Trump because I'm just not used to seeing him on saying something horrendous, wrong, or a lie. He's just like, no, yeah, I just like to pursue success and um, mm-hmm. like I, I, I just I don't know how to really stop and like mm-hmm. he's talking completely normally yeah I'm, I'm single right now I'm dating some people but Looking, like dating my daughter trying to dude he says, he says nothing like that <laughs> he, like no like it, it, it infuriates me like it's just weird like say something terrible you do this all the time but he didn't uh, but yeah sorry I had to do that to you because uh, I'll bring it back to cartoons. How about that? Sure. Cartoons, because uh, we've talked about this before in our other shows, because we love this period of animation. But I mentioned last week that the big fucking success of Pokemon and Power Rangers as well kind of fucked up something I really loved uh, from the early 90s, which was WB comedy cartoons. Your Tiny Toons and your Animaniacs and your Pinky in the Brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, that gets kind of messed up. And also, if you haven't listened to the show before, I live in a town without a WB affiliate. So when WB started, they took all of their programming off Fox, put everything on WB, and I never saw it. I never saw it. Hmm. I was, yes, I was veering on adulthood here, but I was always still watching cartoons. So I was unable to see Hysteria unless I was traveling somewhere. Hysteria wow. being the, not Steven Spielberg produced, uh, but Warner Brothers animated, animated educational historical sketch show. Uh, yes. But it's it's... A lot like it's as every bit as ambitious as Animaniacs, uh, and, and it they tried to make it on the Animaniacs model where they make their first season sixty episodes. It got one more season of six episodes, mm-hmm. uh, and that means it wasn't really working out. I think it was probably too expensive. But here's a little bit of the theme song. See, I have no nostalgia for this, so I hmm. just kind of can't stand hmm. it. Uh, okay, I have weird nostalgia for this because really? I would watch this uh, circle like late 99, 2000. Um, it was on in the morning when I would be getting ready to go to class in college. Okay. Um, and it sort of grabbed my attention once because I was like, oh, this looks like it's Animaniacs or made by the same folks. And they had a thing that was... I remember the sketch somewhat well. It was like, it's a game show where like a poor medieval farmer is on and it's like, you win. Um, and, and like, they're, they're being very clear about like, what is medieval like serfdom like? And in the end they're like, and you win uh, a really short lifespan because of horrible diseases and class stratification that will doom you to poverty. And I was like, oh, that shit was darker than I expected. You'll be taking home the okay. home version and a brand new goat. Thank you very much for playing. Yeah, but and then it did have one sketch that was fantastic. Um, it was about a guy selling Viking longboats with scary animals on the front, but they weren't scary. They were like puppies and kitties and ducklings. <laughs> Damn, you and have so many wow. telling them to the guy who voiced Lord Bravery, so he's just doing a John Cleese impression. Yes, and it it, it plays like the goofiest Monty Python sketch. It was like, hey, uh, you want to buy this boat? It's got a savage wolf on the front. It'll scare all the British people that you're attacking. And he's like, that's not a savage wolf. That's a puppy who's done a naughty. <laughs> Glad you have some memories of this because I do not. Nor do I remember the other WB cartoon that Steven Spielberg was technically involved in uh, that came out 
that week on and it ran for like six episodes a massive failure this is the my generation of cartoons being trounced by everything else on the kids wb uh but this this i mean i swear it exists i've never seen it i never heard of it till i started researching stuff because it was but this is the debut of elmira pinky in the brain Ah. what do you want to do today the same thing we do every day, Pinky. Endure Elmira, then try to take over the world. <laughs> the situations change for Pinky and the Brain. No laboratory alone in the rain. And someone's looking round for where they might be found. It's Pinky for Pinky and the Brain. So the song will eventually tell you, but Pinky and the Brain are accidentally adopted by Elmira. The Warner Brothers executives wanted more Pinky and the Brain, but they didn't want to do the same thing, which mm-hmm. I never saw the Pinky and the Brain show. I love Pinky and the Brain and Animaniacs. I never saw their solo show because it was on WB, but they were tired of that formula and they said they wanted to make something more like the Simpsons and keep them in the same house. So they made mm-hmm. them pets of Elmira, where they'd still scheme about taking over the world, but Elmira was somehow involved. And the like. notably, yeah. people who made the show fucking hated the idea and didn't like it. And it's you can find evidence of it in the show itself, mm-hmm. including the opening theme. There's like so Pinky and the brain, share a new domain. It's what the network wants. Why bother to complain? They have a no domain, <laughs> it's what the network wants. Why bother to complain? Whoa. And you get to see the characters kicked out of the Warner Brothers studio. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. And yeah, apparently there are some scripts and plot lines that like directly reference no one really wanting to make this and it being kind of ordered of them. Mm-hmm. But it didn't last long and it you didn't even see the last six episodes. Those segments got card, carved up into the... Hold on, let me see if I can do this. The cat and booty, Warner Rooney, pinky brainy cartoon. Sh- it was like this big cartoon block they made on Kids WB that reassembled Animaniacs, Tiny Toons, Sylvester and Tweety Mysteries mm-hmm. into one big show. Uh, and that's where they would end up burning some of this original animation off. But it's also, to make me sad, it's the end of these characters. Tiny Toons, mm-hmm. Animaniacs, Pinky the Brain were very, very important to me. And they hold up really, really well. They were very oh, well yeah. made. Uh, and this is it. This is no more after this. They, mm-hmm. they do some stuff in video games, but like that's it. But that, that debuted this week. And if I can make that, you... That is just straight up bullshit, though. The idea of taking Pinky and the Brain and putting them in a domestic situation yeah, instead of just... Totally. They're in a lab. And in the first 30 seconds, they break out and they start the ridiculous plan for world domination. Um, Do you remember the episode like, where he tries to, back- he gets a big robot body and besides become a oh, fucking country singer? Bi- Bubba yeah, Bo Billy, Bob Brain? Billy Joe Bob Brain? Bubba Bo Bob Brain. You right. can't do that uh, in my house. He goes on Jeopardy <laughs> yes. to win a bunch of money and yeah. every answer is about how, well, I'm going to take over the world with this money. And everyone just laughs. Yeah, I... And then just on the Pinky and the Brain show, I mean, maybe the problem is they were getting so esoteric. I mean, there's an entire episode that's just a parody (laughs) of The Third Man. Yes. It's perfect. It is perfect. But who is this for besides me? There's a parody of The Brain reading Orson Welles' commercial copy and complaining about it. Uh, It's fantastic. Who broke this copy? I'm not... I never really was very familiar with Pinky and the Brain besides... I, don't know, I just never really watched cartoons that much growing up. <laughs> but yeah, even I am like, this doesn't this defeat the whole yeah. purpose of these characters? Yeah. Like, what I, I, and I, I've I never seen it. it. I don't know what they do yeah. or where they go. I mean, uh, maybe an idea of like trying to take over the world from someone's house, like 
looks like they're like fashioning together think household objects to take over the world but how do you go from what you had before to that uh-huh. yeah, no no the bigger plans are the fun ones yeah. i don't really want them to take a microwave and some spoons and turn it into a thing because isn't the point that they fail what to do take you want to do tonight world? brain we're gonna <laughs> yes. kidnap elmira's favorite doll pinky like yeah. what come on and well, and just to make you a little sadder, I'm including this as a tease for next week uh, because it's important to me. Is that a cat fart again? <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ! Uh, this is a tease for next week because uh, it just makes me sad. He was their colleague, their mentor, and their friend. Now, in a very special season premiere, the cast says goodbye to Phil Hartman. Farewell. And that's that's oh, happening good. next week. I want to make sure I remember it. Bring your tissues. Bums the shit out of me. That that. A nice send-off from NBC yeah. as well, like just making a little promo for Phil Hartman, acknowledging he's a real person, not just this character. Yeah. Um, but let's bring it well, back with the... What? There's still back to grown-up television. Oh, God, I forgot about <laughs> other television. Yeah. Well, there was another debut that happened uh, this week, and that was the se- second season premiere of Ally McBeal. Oh, shit. Yeah. And, like, I don't know, were you guys, did you guys watch Ally McBeal when it was on? With Every time yeah. with my girlfriend, and I only vividly remember, like, how are they doing this on television? Like, mm-hmm. that was just a full nudity scene from this woman or Allie just got fucked in a car wash. Yeah. <laughs> from behind by a guy she didn't know. Like, how are we, how am I watching this on television? Well, and this, this season debuts the most beautiful character on, well, maybe tied for most beautiful Nell Porter, who is mm-hmm. Portia de Rossi, mm-hmm. Mrs. Ellen hey. DeGeneres, who is one of my favorite characters on there because she just like had so much more agency. I felt mm-hmm. like, and I don't know. It was like, before- Allie McBeal, I loved watching it back then i've revisited it i still kind of love it but it is conflicting it's kind of both very exciting to watch and also like the worst parts of second wave feminine or third wave feminism which wave are we on now my, my big problem is my roommates watch this but i just i liked everyone except ali mcbeal right i wanted her to go away she was I truly just, awful <laughs> yeah and this premiere so, episode so boring and so indecisive and just like Girl, get your shit together. Yeah. I don't relate to her. I am angered by her. Also, though, if you revisit a lot of these storylines, they do not age well. <laughs> and, and 20 years later, uh, this premiere opens with Allie's defending a woman in her late 30s ooh, for having <gasps> sex with a minor. Uh, and then when Allie, but then Allie becomes attracted to that minor when he goes on the stand to testify against her client. Yeah, yeah just doesn't age well. And uh. so it's, it's kind of a yucky third wave feminist. I don't know what's going on there. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's definitely a super weird show. I'm sure you guys talked about it last year when it premiered, but I just kind of had to throw it in since... Yeah, those are my <laughs> second, third wave feminism two cents. Uh, and the only, the biggest game release this week is a weird one. Uh, in September fourteenth through the twentieth of nineteen ninety eight, we have Resident Evil Dual Shock version. Uh, mm. Resident Evil has been out for two years, giant hit, huge smash, and has already had a director's cut, a remake, redo, and now it has a version that is compliant with Sony's brand new controller, which has gotten rid of jet. Well. Has a D-pad, but now has analog sticks and vibration, vibration for when things happen. So in Resident Evil, like on the disc, you could see they have like so, it's kind of like sorry, Resident Evil Two's taking so long. We made almost an entire game, didn't like it, scrapped it, started over, and you can see some of that on this disc as sort of like an apology for like Resident Evil Two not being out. But it's a uh, enhanced version. 
Most notably, slash controversially with new music, and there was a minor controversy because the guy who composed the music recently in the last two years revealed he was deaf and he didn't write any of the music. Oh, <laughs> or something no. like that. I forget exactly how it worked. What? It was Beethoven still did it. He yeah, but he like paid someone else to write mm. it and then took credit for it. Mm. Uh, I believe that's how it works. So uh, he had you, a ghost composer. And when you listen to music, I'm like, someone wrote that. <laughs> like some of that's just noise. <laughs> and, you're like, hmm, <laughs> sounds like a deaf person wrote this. Right. That's exactly <laughs> what the jokes were. But that is that is this version that is out this week. Well, that about wraps up our 1998 segment. We will take you out with uh, a, a charting cut off of the Rush Hour soundtrack. That would be Drew Hill featuring Redman with How Deep Is Your Love. Stay right there, people. We've still got 2008 to talk about. But you've been seeing another Chico And baby, you know that he can't go down like me And you know that the nigga can't freak like me So mommy tell me one little thing How deep is your love for me? internet and all the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner where we look even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of september 14th through 20th i always find something to talk about why do i even pretend it's like oh maybe there is maybe there isn't anyway 75 years ago this week uh, 1943 we saw the release of sherlock holmes faces death which is the third sherlock holmes movie starring basil rathbone just in 1943 and there were 14 of them total this one's only notable because they the last couple they had they, they moved him up in time so he could fight Nazis. This time they just they moved him right back to, to Victorian England. The couple where he fights Nazis I, I really enjoy. I just they're they're so cheesy, but they're so much fun. Uh, anyway, fifty years ago this week, nineteen sixty eight, saw the release of Funny Girl starring Barbara Streisand and Omar Sharif. I that's like a light recommend for me because it is really well made and it's beautiful and Barbara Streisand's great in it. But it is like eight hours long. I don't know why I feel like it drags, but I know so many people love it. So I, I got to mention it because it's a huge hit and it's it's well done. But I don't know why. I don't know why I'm bored by it. Maybe I should give it another shot. It's been a while. But on top of all of that, what I'm actually going to recommend is uh, we just lost Neil Simon. So uh, I, I got to recommend some Neil Simon stuff. I'd, I'd feel like a jerk not doing it. The Odd Couple is obviously like the go-to title and, and it's hilarious but i realized like a bunch of neil simon plays slash movies are about like coping with roommates um, so besides the eyed couple i gotta throw out mentions of uh, barefoot in the park from i think 67 which is really charming and uh the goodbye girl from 1977 with richard dreyfus which is also ridiculously charming and then uh we got the brighton beach memoirs and biloxi blues are both good we've got uh, I think it was made for Showtime, a version of Laughter on the 23rd Floor with Nathan Lane that was really good. I mean, California Suite is really good. It was also vaguely about roommates and relationships. Um, I'm sure that there's, like, not good Neil Simon out there. Like, there just has to be, batting average-wise. But any one of those, I totally recommend. They're, they're so much fun. So, uh, it's a bummer we lost Neil Simon. But, you know, he had a good run. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. I left out in a cloud 
of tail lights and dust. Swore I wasn't coming back, said I'd had enough. Saw you in the rear view standing, fading from my life. But I wasn't turning round. No, not this time. But don't think I don't think about it. Don't think I don't have regrets. Don't think I don't get to me. Between the work and the hurt and the whiskey, I don't like that. Uh, hey, not me. Cameron, you had a Hootie album t- in '98. Uh, we had a Hootie album '98 and a just Hootie album, No Blowfish. Uh, album in 2008. Maybe he was a blowfish the whole time. Oh, yeah. Wait, you think he was one of the blowfish? I don't think so. I don't think the basis is Hootie. That's crazy. Uh, but that's Don't Think I Don't Think About It off of Learn to Live by Darius Rucker, who has gone full country at this point. Uh, that's why you don't hear him. That's where you, he tends to get played on country. I'm here for it. I'm not going to lie. No, he's, he's had a great country career. Yeah, now. he really has. I, um, only, I only know the Burger King Bacon Cheddar Ranch theme song. That <laughs> I'm a North Florida girl, so I like... That kind of country. Yick. Yeah. I want to say he was like the first black guy to win a American Country Award. Or really? Con- oh. Yeah. How progressive country. It only took you 200 years. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this week in 2008, September 14th to the 20th, we have some other new releases. We're talking about uh, The Cosmic Rocks by Queen with Paul Rogers. Is that a new incarnation of Queen? Mm-hmm. A, a Mercuryless Queen. Uh who Killed Amanda Palmer by Amanda Palmer. Can you just do that? Hmm. <laughs> can, can, I can just do that? All right. Good to know. Black Butterfly by Buck Cherry. Uh, Colby O by Colby O'Donis. Uh, we, we Global with DJ Khaled. Down to Earth by Jim. Uh, Year of the Gentleman by Neo. Brass Knuckles by Nelly. And The Way I See It by uh, Raphael Sadiq and Lady Hawk's self-titled ba- debut. You can whatever you you can have whatever you like as your number one song for this week because Ti <laughs> is still there and that's the song I sing to Kitty when I let her pick her food uh, in the morning. I saw it actually last <laughs> night for dinner. He held out two little cans Aww. and she she considered each one. Yes. I saw it. She looked at each one for a little bit and then picked like, one. I'm not eating eating any fucking pate. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> that's my Kiki. Um, yes, but we are smack dab in 2008, people. As if uh, well, Darius Rucker is not a great indication. But uh, yeah, 2008, September 15th through the 30th. Um, did I get any news to no. talk about? Wait, you just had the dates wrong. Oh, September 14th and 20th. September 14th through the 20th. Um, oh, I didn't get any news. Crap. Anyway. I got news. Oh, so we have a little bit of news for 2008. What do we got, Di? Uh, we got the biggest bankruptcy hearing in uh, fi- the we got the biggest bankruptcy filing in U.S. history. Oh, God. September 15th, 2008, Lehman Brothers is dead. A uh, investment and financial services place uh, created, what was it founded? 1850. It was founded in 1850. Wow. And it goes fucking bankrupt. It was one of those, they said, it's too big to fail. Mm-hmm. It failed. And its failure is part of why we bailed out people like AIG who are considered literally too big to fail. Not that they're so big they can't fail, but so big that if they fail, they will bring the rest of us down with them. Mm. So, so surely they did the right thing. Gets, they, they, their insurance like paid out, uh, I'm guessing, to the right people. No one went to jail. Sure. Uh, uh, well, no one went to jail. Yeah, oh. but uh, they just they got hit so hard by the, the subprime mortgage disaster that had always been sitting there waiting to happen. And we're in some similar situations uh, in the economy. I was reading, I was trying to like read up 
because there's been a couple articles in the last couple of days mm -hmm. coming out about like 10 years after Lehman Brothers, what have we learned? And it's pretty much mm, nothing not that much. Like a, a couple things we sort of fixed, but yeah, most, I don't know. Most of the people who perpetrate this shit don't care about what happens to anyone else 10 years from now because as long as they get rich and can get out, they're fine. And they didn't yeah. go to jail, so... <laughs> No. Well, there's so many. I mean, it is really hard for me to sympathize with people whose job is to generate money through not actually doing anything, using mm -hmm. money to make more money. I find uh, repulsive and they're a bunch of jackals and, you know, fuck those guys. But on the other hand, like, well, a lot of other people ended up getting hurt, too. Mm -hmm. I think this is right around the time. I think it's pretty much this week where I realized, oh, I'm going to get laid off. Oh, really? Uh, Yeah. Because we had a one-two punch of hearing this Lehman Brothers thing go down and that the government took over Freddie May, or Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac last week uh, trying to prop up the mortgage industry. And I realized, oh, oh we're, we're heading into like a Great Depression, aren't we? This is going to be real bad. And then it's like the next day I found out HP was laying some people off, like a couple mm. thousand. And they were one of my big clients that I worked for in corporate event planning. Oh, and uh, then as the mortgage thing got worse, uh, like in a couple days from now, we'll hear about... Washington Mutual is in trouble. They were my second biggest client. Wow. Uh, I just started very, I take a couple extra things home every day from work. Right. Just, oh. Should have done the same thing. I was working in a magazine company. They had a lot of, <laughs> a lot of other factors rooting against them too. Yeah. But yeah, corporate event planning, which you know, sales conferences are not something you're going to spend money on. And yeah, I did Washington Mutual's uh, home mortgage division sales conference like a couple months before. And I should have known this was coming because those mofos drank more than anyone I have ever seen. <laughs> they would come to check into the hotel. I would check them in for stuff. They would drag their luggage over to the bar, not even go to their room and just drink all fucking night. God, that mm. sounds fun. It sounds amazing. I, I want to go. I want to be in the business world. Me too. You want to be drunk with your luggage? <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time. Yeah. Oh my! I've been God. to an airport. So, yeah. <laughs> so this same, is when I begin my life of crime, basically, where I start bringing a duffel bag to work, like I'm going to the gym, and I steal everything not nailed down. <laughs> and granted, it took like another couple of months for me to actually get laid off. Mm -hmm. But I have a rag rug made almost entirely of t-shirts I stole. <laughs> as long as you grabbed all the important stuff, die Jesus. <laughs> But I also I got staplers, I got stickers, I got tape dispensers, I got. I mean, no one should so be without much. multiple staplers. Good. You can sell them on the black market, right? Just give, them, <laughs> give them your kids and their inheritance. <laughs> multiple staplers. I, I never need like printable labels ever again. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I I just started taking first. It's the slowly taking things off my desk, and then it's the slowly just taking everything else. Like <laughs> I, I need this ream of paper. And I, I always uh, wish I would have done that. In the back. Uh, I recommend everybody else, wherever you work, just steal stuff. It's fun. <laughs> I never did it and regret it every day. All those people that lost their house, but I have two real good staplers now. <laughs> the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Uh, with Lehman Brothers out as in bankruptcy, a new era is ushered in with uh, Drill posts for the first time on Twitter. Wow. <laughs> who yep. I think now has a little cult of people around yeah. him who love him. It's like that scene in Spider-Man 2 where like, Toby Maguire's face is revealed, yet the subway crowd in New York just lift him up and don't give away his secret. <laughs> like, somebody outed Drill, like, last year, and everyone's like, I'm not looking at that. Mm -hmm. I don't want to know. Wait, he doesn't leave have Drill, his... Leave Drill alone. He doesn't have his own insulting wine, like the fat Jewish? <laughs> no. No, he's... I don't know how he's... 
kept himself under wraps for this mm. long. But yeah, somebody. It's not a blur. I thought he was just a blurry photo of Jack Nicholson. He is, he is. with a cigarette. Uh, from no, the... I mean that's who he is in real life. No, exactly. Oh, yeah, he's just. Oh, a, okay. And his his face is a perfect square. It's just Banksy. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, something awful poster goes national with his nonsense on uh, the Drill Twitter account. It is undeniably hilarious. Um, I say that as a true dad in that right now. I have no idea. My hatred for Twitter is like, you can tweet at me, and every once in a while I'll get real bored like once a month and maybe mm-hmm. look at it, and then I'll maybe reply, but I hate Twitter. And Drill is the, one of those only good things about it. Um, anyway, uh, I don't know anything about this die on September 19th. Oh, well, you're not up on your memes because uh, the troll face oh. drawing is first First posted September 19, 2008, and credit where credit's due, no one knows who drew it. It's Carlos Ramirez. His name is Carlos Ramirez. Okay. Wow. wow. I'm happy to be able to find that out and settle that once and for all. So, yeah, troll face. I feel like that thing has been around since the dawn of, like, newspapers. I can't <laughs> believe it's only been, like, 10 years. Yeah. Just seems like it's always been part of the internet. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hmm. See, I love this. I love having 10-year-old internet shit. It should make everyone listening feel old and not just me, <laughs> like every other segment. But we got some movies of 2008, September 14th to the 20th. Oh, good Lord. Is this the end of Dane Cook? Let's hope so. Dane <laughs> Cook, Kate Hudson, Jason Biggs, Alec Baldwin, and my best friend's girl. To get the girl of your dreams. I'm Alexis. I'll call you later. Try doing the following. Show her your lovesick. <laughs> get a new hairstyle. Oh, my God. God. Always make yourself available. Hello? Yeah, I can talk. Start thinking about babies. I'll have what he's having. And get to know her family. <gasps> Come on, it's not going to suck itself, Mama. Dane <laughs> Cook, Kate Hudson, Jason Biggs, my best friend's girl. It's <sighs> Man, this looks awful. Oh, my God. And I know, I, like, nope. I, I'm not even, like, a Dane Cook hater. Like, I don't totally hate his stand-up. I understand people didn't like him being the number one guy. Mm-hmm. But his movies are fucking terrible. Yeah, I thought this was Good Luck Chuck for a second. Yeah, which I've is fucking this, terrible. Yeah, that one's the one I saw, and that is terrible. Fuck. Although, I did consider myself a female Good Luck Chuck, because for a while there, every guy I dated got married right after me. This is true. <laughs> this is true. Like, 17 of them. Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> so many. And, uh, oh, thank I thought I was going to be able to get out of talking about Igor. <laughs> A really forgotten animated movie with John Cusack, Steve Buscemi, uh, John Cleese, and Jennifer Coolidge. Uh, But I had only looked it up. It was in the video game segment. There's, of course, like a multi-platform video game based on Igor. I will unleash my invention on the world. He's our best hope to save the world. Me? And they're the best help. We're here to rescue you. He can get... The Funny Bunny. Uh, Igor, where did the monster go? Look behind you! Ah! It was just a suggestion. The Insane Brain. Or should I say Brian? Stupid permanent marker. Eva the Diva. Stop the carriage! I think I need a bigger trailer. It's recorded off a PSP? Jesus. Yeah, maybe. Wow, but I usually make it a point to see, like, every animated movie. I totally forgot this I was going to ask, because, I don't know, it looks looks interesting. Yeah, Yeah, it looks like maybe something to watch in a couple weeks. I'll do it! Let's do it. I'll do it. I, I will watch Igor because yeah. I don't hate John Cusack yet. Just it's weird now that I live in a city with a Walmart. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go into a Walmart and like there are 
like 10 John Cusack movies oh, that have come out in the last 10 years that so I've never true. heard of. Him it's is, kind of bizarre that way. Yeah, he is like he's like a straight-to-DVD movie actor now. Yeah. I'm glad he's working. I really like John Cusack. Uh, when did that Violent Femme song just become in every movie trailer? I don't know, because it seems it like... It snuck up on me, I Just knowing like. the Violent Femmes, like, never play the Violent Femmes for kids. No. <laughs> never do that. Exactly. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, I, here's a movie I never saw. Uh, Appaloosa. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. You know I did. Uh, Ed Harris, Viggo Mortensen, Renee Zellweger, and Jeremy Irons in Appaloosa. This is an uncertain kind of work we do. How long have you been killing people for a living? I don't kill people. I enforce the law. Appaloosa is on the verge of becoming a ghost town. He said it! You boys are under arrest. Nobody saw that. This didn't happen. I've never seen this, but I like Ed Harris so much, I think I owe it to him to see the, like one of the movies he directed. Yeah. Yep. Yep. He's, he's directed a couple movies, and they've been pretty good. He did Pollock also. Uh, this has great reviews. Hmm. It came and went so fast, like I'd heard it was good, and I never got a chance to see it. So I am doubling back, because I me love too. me some Westerns. Right. And I, I, I love Ed Harris, and I will and not I watch Westworld ever again. <laughs> and I'm bored with Westworld. Yeah. But I, if you want to see him in a cool hat again. A big black hat, we have a movie for you. Appaloosa. I feel like Vigo Mortensen too. He's like a horse guy, right? Because I feel like yeah. I've seen him in another horse movie, and I'm no, not sure that's which one it is. How he appears in your stroke fantasies, like <laughs> Vigo Mortensen riding on a horse. Just reveal a part of yourself to everyone, Sarah. How's that feel? Mm, <laughs> not bad. Yeah, I've not seen this. Um, I forget. I just it's got a really dumb name, but I now I really want to give it another viewing. Appaloosa is not a dumb name. It's the name of a type of a horse. It, that, well, I don't know. If you again, if you put the name of a horse in a movie, it tends to not be for me. Sea biscuit. Fucking terrible. <laughs> I <hate laughs> Black beauty. Uh, I had a sister, and it was a VHS world. Your I sister was definitely... hate Black Beauty now. I hate was... Wild's Arts can't be broken. I hate the Black oh, Stallion. All because of my sister. She was yeah. definitely a horse girl. Yes, she was. Yeah. Yes, she was. But you can tell just from the tone of it that it's it's westerny, right? Even I, if you don't know what it means. Well, we're living in like a kind of a pre, like me looking at every trailer on YouTube world. I was still going to fucking QuickTime all day long. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Goddamn. Again, another plug for the for life. Laser Time 100%. episode on trailers, how the world has changed. Um, but uh, I did see this movie because it just feels so weird. I was... At this point, I loved few things more than I loved the British office. Mm-hmm. So much so that I hated the American office at this uh, point, which I now... you types. I am not there now. Not at all. Like, I the, know. The office is like a new mythology. It's, pra- it's practically biblical. I, watch, it, I can't stop is. watching it every time. It like I try not to put it on Netflix as much as I can. It's so easy to watch though. Because I just keep going. But then mm-hmm. Comedy Central started airing it every day, and I can't stop myself. I love the U.S. office now. An American workplace. But Ricky Gervais was someone I wanted to see the best of. <laughs> I, I still he thought he was one of the greatest really? characters ever. And David Brent is one of the greatest characters ever. But boy, does Ricky Gervais have a line of stinkers um, mm-hmm. as far as movies goes, such as this one with Greg Kinnear and Tay Leone, Ghost Town, baby. After a simple procedure. Come back soon. What a terrible thing to say in a hospital. He'll see things differently. Hey, hey, you got a second? Never get used to that. Uh, did anything unusual happen during my procedure? Uh, you died. I died. A little bit. For how long? Seven minutes. A bit less. 
I died for seven minutes. A bit less. Everybody dies. Yeah, but usually at the end of their life, and just just the once. He can see us. Who? Ghosts. They're everywhere. Everybody needs something done. You want your quiet life back? I'll make you do. <laughs> Is this a bad time? You do this one thing for me, you'll never see any of us ever again. Okay? It is a undeniably cute premise. Wait a minute. Is this the yeah. one where at the end it turns into a weird thing about atheism and his mom dying? No, that's the, the invention of lying. Okay, okay. That one was written by Gervais. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, sorry to David ruin the Kepp. end of that one, guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is, he wrote your precious Mission Impossible movies in Jurassic Park. Um, and now is directing this like Sixth Sense comedy, but it is an interesting premise. If wouldn't the ghosts be just as excited to find out they have a human they can speak to, mm-hmm. and they can tell, yeah. oh God, my relatives almost never see me when I try and haunt them. Please go, yeah. But that's it's a comedy about that, and it's I I didn't remember liking it very much. Mm. Um, this is actually almost every movie here. I think is a different movie. I found out. <laughs> True, because I thought I thought this next movie was that one where uh, the speed reunion where Sandra Bullock writes Keanu Reeves. <laughs> what is that movie? <laughs> the Lake House. The Lake House. No. Yeah, I thought Appaloosa was like Cimarron. I thought it was a Boz Lerman joint, but I think that's just Australia. <laughs> Um, but... a bad I would rather for... watch Cimarron Curse of the Desert than <laughs> of the Cimarron. I don't know if that's the name of it either, but it was a yeah. Vigo Mortensen horse movie that I did not make up. <laughs> yeah, but I got it. But what a boring title, Lakeview Terrace. What if it's really good? It sounds like a place where awful retirees go to complain. It's a movie starring Patrick Harris, Kerry Washington. And Sam Jackson. Patrick Harris? Who the hell is Patrick Harris? Patrick Wilson, my bad. I saw Ed Harris. And, uh, yeah. Dyslexia is not funny. Now guys. who has a stroke fantasy? <laughs> he, he blames dyslexia after our two glasses of wine. New neighbors, huh? Yeah, it looks like it. Did you meet them yet? Uh, you want to give people a chance to settle in, you know? I always wanted to say this. We're homeowners. <laughs> He's got security lights. Your outside lights are shining right into our upstairs. See how that could be annoying? I don't need you putting your bedroom scenes out here for my kids to see. The tires are flat. They're slashed. See anyone? No. I just see you. The man never made an actual threat against your life, and he has the color issue on his side. And that color happens to be blue. I did see this. (gasps) I did see this, too. I did see this. He's a cop, and he's harassing them. He's a black cop harassing a rich white guy. And I'm oh, this is turning... An interracial couple. Yeah, an interracial, interracial couple. couple. Yeah. I know, but it's still turning your expectations on your on their head. This is the white yeah. man's burden of our era. I mean, you can obviously tell that he's crazy because who wouldn't want to watch Patrick Wilson and Kerry Washington in a pool? I mean, come on. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Can I pre-order that? Because I'll do it. Um, I definitely saw this. And it's actually, I don't remember it being like... It's a fun thriller. Mm-hmm. No, that's all I got to say. I yeah. mean, it's just like a fun... Yeah. I, I don't remember film. how it ends at all. I don't either. <laughs> I don't. And that, that usually isn't the hallmark of a great film. Yeah, no. Uh, but but like, I do love a thriller. It is number one of the box office, which, to be honest, doesn't happen a lot to Sam Jackson as it, the lead actor. Mm-hmm. He's not in yeah. a lot of movies where that happens. Well, um, look what he was up against. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. It's just sort of a... Meh. Week just all around, except for rush hour, I guess. Uh, not for television. Well, yes, for television, I lied. Television sucks. <clears throat> Grange Hill ends in the UK after 30 years. I'm assuming Diana yep. knows something about that, otherwise, she wouldn't have written that and made me say it. Yep. Uh, Grange <laughs> Hill uh, is sort of a 
show about school. Like, I, I wish I knew more about it because, I mean, Jesus, it ran for 30 goddamn years. It sounds a bit like Degrassi, but not as edgy. I mean, it's just about students and problems and they have a special message or sometimes they tackle <laughs> issues. Okay. I don't know. Look, there was a risk. There, there was an. There was a reference to it on Spaced that I didn't understand. Right. No, I, dude, I'm totally with you on that. I love Spaced right. and watch like, it with the commentary. On Spaced, on the U.S. DVDs, there was even like a track that would explain references yeah. to you. Yeah. And most of them were like, okay, Star Wars, duh. But every now and then there'd be something so UK specific like Grange Hill. It's like a show that everybody grew up with, but we never got in the States, so we have no idea what that uh, joke is. Dude, the, the, the first season of The Office came with a glossary. Like the, that told you, like, Blockbusters is a TV show over here. I mean, that's what they're referring to. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, but it more, I should, I mean, I don't know. You tell me, commenters, and I'll only read comments on the lasertimepodcast.com or 3020.net site. Do we include more British shows? It's not impossible. It's just like yeah. we would be rattling them off and not really being able to speak intimately on them mm-hmm. in any way. Uh, but I know I, don't, I know a lot of our audience is, is English, but like everybody's American thanks to the way we export our horseshit. Well, uh, if you <laughs> do comment and give us some British shows to talk about, mm. we may talk about them if we get the bonus comment show unlocked on Patreon.com. That's true. That's yes. Slash laser time. Slash laser time. Uh, slash laser time. I, I try to go looking for stuff like that. That's huge. I mean, 30 years. That's that's actually pretty incredible. Yeah. That's but, crazy. But that's also... But all my favorite British shows go two seasons. Yeah, they either do... They, it's either 30. It's four episodes each. Yeah. I mean, I love Midsummer's Murders, and that's been on since 1918, so... True. <laughs> they do have way more television institutions over there. Yeah. Uh, but if you were also uh, American on September 15th, you could have seen the odd revamp of the Nickelodeon show Guts. Mm-hmm. Remember when Double Dare was kind of getting long in the tooth? I don't mm-hmm. know why they thought this would help. I'm like, we'll make it family Double Dare. We'll bring in the dads and grads. Not dads and grads. <laughs> the dads and moms. Like, I don't know how you thought that would be more interesting for me to watch. Like, I don't want to watch my mom do a physical challenge. Nor your Did mom. You? Nor anybody's mom. Like, I just want... It's kids. That's that the lens... hilarious. I want my mom to go down the Sunday slide. It's, so Guts revamps in 2008 on Nickelodeon called My Family's Got Guts. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know you want to hear this 2008 theme song. No, let's not. Uh, but it's a family version of Guts. Looks almost identical. Uh, there, I don't, can't remember if there is an aggro crag or not. I want to see that it was hosted not by Mike O'Malley or Mo uh, from my version, but by Ben Lyons. And I wanted to see if that ticked any box with Diana. That name sounds that, super familiar. Yeah. Uh, he was the the largely derided uh, professional host guy who took over for Roger Ebert and uh, Siskel, Siskel hmm. and Ebert for At the Movies. And everyone's like, no, usually the show's hosted by someone who knows a fucking thing about movies. And for like mm. two years, it was like this this huge controversy on the internet. Like, that's the only reason I know the guy. Because mm. he, he replaced two of the most like, Jesus, revered critics of all time. And just yeah. like, 
really wasn't adept for the job. I, uh, this this little promo just kind of <laughs> makes me feel like, ugh, how many like weirdly over aggressive, too intense dads were on that show <laughs> that got like really mad at their family for losing on the aggro. You're fucking this up for everybody, Tyler. Um, yeah, exactly. I have going? never thought about how many children were beaten right after a taping of one show like that. Just Aww. getting drunk in like a Nickelodeon bought hotel room. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but other than that, like... Oh, we mean it's going to be really depressing. <laughs> Sorry, guys. It's going to be depressing because the rest of the things I have listed are uh, cancellations. Cancellations. Uh-oh. Actually, fuck me. I didn't talk about... Can I move something from the 1998 segment into the 2008 segment? Sarah's saying I can't. I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, but I'm going to... Because this is all bummer news. Because, mm-hmm. um, God, we were all big fans of Pam. Girl on the Loose. That's true. E's Pamela Anderson reality show that I made fun of just like six episodes ago, it's canceled now. Uh, but the bigger one that's really depressing mm-hmm. is Toonami on Cartoon Network is canceled. The show that sort of launched, that, that made American household names of Dragon Ball Z and uh, Sailor Moon, like these shows finally getting their due on these shores. Uh, Cartoon Network pulls the plug on it. Toonami has since been revamped. But one of the things I loved about Toonami uh, is that its mascot, the guy who would like introduce its shows, Tom... You know, if you watch Adult Swim now, they have like custom bumpers, they call them, or bumps mm-hmm. that are written every week. Like just new, st- he'll tell you new stuff every week. But like the guy who told you about Toonami, Tom, like had new story, had storylines and like eventually got his own special. Hmm. So when Toonami was canceled, like canonically, the host of the program has to tell you about it. And they did. And, and most, and we did a Laser Time episode about animated endings that mattered because most animation takes so long no one knows they're canceled. They're mm-hmm. not given time to make a last episode mm-hmm. or say goodbye. But Toonami isn't even a show. It's just this animated thing that introduces shows. It was given the opportunity to say goodbye, and it just makes me fucking sad. Well, this is the end, beautiful friends. After more than 11 years, this is Toonami's final broadcast. It's been a lot of fun. We'd like to thank each and every one of you who've made this journey with us. Tsunami wouldn't have been anything without you. Hopefully, we've left you with some good memories. So, until we meet again, stay gold. No, I thought that was really sweet. Yeah. <laughs> as much as I'm also, happy, like, ha less anime. It's like, oh, that's sad. <laughs> it really kind of, I thought for a split second he was committing suicide. <laughs> no, he rocked it off into the air. And he has okay. a face in this version. But, yeah, uh, and he told Ponyboy to stay gold. Yeah, yeah. He said to stay gold. Like, that really, really does bum me out because Toonami is so fucking important. And I'm glad I don't really have to say it because, like, it's a weirder place for anime that, like, you're getting it immediately via the internet and things like Crunchyroll and, uh, and, and Funimation. But, like, Eventually, those now go to Adult Swim and air. Like, I love that there's a tsunami block like premiering tonight at 4 a.m. <laughs> it's JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Like, my friends have been talking about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure for like nine years, but like, yeah, well, now it's on television at 4 a.m. Isn't that cool? I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, it is kind of cool. It set is, your alarm. Yeah, set your alarm or your DVR. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, tsunami has since returned. Um, and that brings us to. The goddamn video games. Mm. The goddamn video games. As it's a big, big week, uh, especially for anime fans. Hey, uh, Bl- Dragon Ball Origins is a Zelda-like 3DS game that comes or, or DS game that comes out. 
Um, and Eternal Sonata, a game I really, really liked. An RPG that took place in Chopin's mind Ooh. Uh, with Whoa, active, time, okay. active time battles that were all kind of music-based, but like a really weird RPG that uh, people like me were really looking forward to. I thought it was great. It was everything I wanted it to be, and I didn't get a sequel ever, but it's really good. It's on 360. Okay, so if you're in Chopin's mind, what do you do? When you're like fighting against... Polish anti-nationalists or like <laughs> oh, a, George Sand told me to go pick up my socks again it's, wah, wah. it's like there's like active time battles but with more active timing in them but it's all sort of musical based and I think he's in a coma when you're in his head as well what does that mean no. musical based I guess instead Question. of like you do have weapons but they're yeah. all they're all sounds involved and when gotcha. in timing when you hit the buttons Interesting. that way you can make a more powerful move if you go to the right rhythm rather than just sitting like uh, attack this guy uh-huh. You have other buttons to press in between. Uh, Witcher fans, the enhanced edition of The Witcher comes out on PC this week, which would eventually shape The Witcher that would come to consoles. But like where we are now, The Witcher is not a PC-exclusive game. It's a fucking nationally revered franchise with a Netflix show coming soon with a guy who used to be Superman as Geralt. Uh, Crisis Warhead, a game I never played because that was mostly PC. But the biggest one uh, I think many of us played Rock Band 2, a fucking astounding game. Really, really good. And did, unlike Guitar Hero, which I've yelled about a bunch of times on mm-hmm. podcasts recently, um, Guitar Hero would be like different songs on every disc. You bought Rock Band 2, and it's like um, for an extra $5, you can download every song from the previous Rock Band and put it inside Rock Band 2, except for that one Metallica song, because now there's Metallica t- Guitar Hero. But you had this Rock Band 2 immediately with like 100 songs in it for an extra five bucks, and it was awesome. It was a, became the an even better party game for a game that never needed a sequel. It just did the right thing yeah. and allowed you to port over all your old shit. Let's get another uh, rock band. Let's do it. They they did. They made another rock band two no, years I mean, ago. Like, let's procure the instruments again and play again. I'm kind they of might getting. Be here. We've been talking about it so much. I'm kind of starting to actually get nostalgic. You know I'll, I'll go buy the new one right do now. It. It, which which only sucks because like depending on what system you played it on, that's where you bought all your additional songs. Mm-hmm. And I bought all my original songs on the Xbox ecosystem, which I. I game now mostly with PlayStation. So, I, yes, it's a dilemma for me. I'll look into it right now. I will buy I will buy Rock Band and bring it to the house. Yay. Like, I know you would like it. I know Sam would like it. And I know the kid would like it. Uh, uh, and other kids. Not that I'm trying to seduce them. How many things do I have to edit out of this episode? Um, anywho, that pretty much wraps up our show. We, we had a comment show unlocked on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. But a bunch of people backed out. I don't know another way to say it. Uh, but yeah, it's relocked, and we sort of have to take that seriously. Mm-hmm. So like, uh, maybe help us out. Price of a cup of coffee or a fucking Big Mac at McDonald's every month can uh, keep your favorite podcast network afloat, including shows like Laser Time, as well as uh, Video Game Apocalypse. And we were trying to do some um, new horror stuff in time for Halloween, but that's still a ways off. Uh, and then maybe, who knows, we have extra stuff we want to unlock, like a fun D&D cast and... Uh, for patrons every week, we give an uncensored, commercial-free bonus show, and uh, our, we're joined by Brett Elston, uh, the former a former host of this show uh, this week, where we talk about Spider-Man mm-hmm. and Infinity War and Marvel and hopefully something else, but that's all I really remember. I just haven't talked to Brett about Infinity War. Spider-Man in a while, mm-hmm. uh, because we're both big Spider-Man fans. Uh, what's going on with you, Dee? Uh, not much. Uh, you can see, see me on Twitter at LeCineNerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D. Uh, also at 302010podcast, 302010podcast, uh, where I've been retweeting stuff as like articles or about things that we talked about or, you know, giving a little teaser. And, you know, the throw 
I've actually gotten some really good recommendations from people who are like, oh, hey, by the way, this happened on this day. It'd be like, oh, crap, I, I didn't have that. Thank you. So if you got like tips or stories, or anything you want to throw about the podcast, that's a good place to do it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And didn't didn't we have a book? Sarah? Oh, we did have, did a, we book. have a book. Yeah. Real quick. Let's talk we'll about do some it. wrap ups. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, throw plugs to get the whole show. In, in 2008. <laughs> We had a huge book that came out, The Hunger Games mm-hmm. by Suzanne Ooh. Collins. Did y'all okay, read that's it? That's just a kind no. of notable thing, maybe. I love the I love the movie. That. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, the book was great. I really enjoyed it. Um, I read Harry Potter, and I might have been a little bit old for YA at this point, but it's still a really fun, fast read. Definitely one. If you haven't gotten to, I definitely recommend it. Um, if you're into that sort of dystopian um, YA genre, which is kind of a little bit out of style now, but you know, I I don't know. It's I very no. Know. It seems like there's still a lot yeah. of them. I, I keep seeing jokes about people saying like, you know, why are millennials so anti-Trump? And it's like because so like every book they read as a child up until now is about battling a fascist. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, a, yeah. An evil dictator just like him. I think I think now the <laughs> trend fighting out against depression, even the Harry Potter books by the end yeah. and Hunger Games and um, uh, that one the maze runner into groups or that, that maze one divergent. Or- Divergent, yes. Which Percy Jackson, read. the fucking lightning thief. Little love, people. Hello. Okay. But yeah, I mean, no, I mean, I, I think the trend. Underpants, the trend. Too young. Okay. <laughs> the trend is a little bit going more towards more real life stuff. Like the mm. biggest YA uh, book of this past year was The Hate You Give, mm. which is, mm. by the way, also excellent. Yeah. Um, but it's anyways, a trailer that made my date cry. Yeah. <laughs> um,. But yeah, The Hunger Games is great. And Suzanne Collins, she's written about how like she was influenced by, she kind of got the idea for this by f- channel surfing and was flipping between uh, a reality television program and news coverage of the war in Iraq. Oh, and I thought that, you were going to say Battle Royale, but I guess they probably weren't showing it on television. No. And so those two came together to make The Hunger Games, which I think is a really interesting sort of origin story. That's interesting. I, I always point to The Hunger Games as... This is an example of female representation that I 100% support oh, in yeah. that cat does it if if you switch all the genders around and Katniss is a dude and she's trying to he's trying to choose between two girls. Is it different? And the answer is not really. Mm-mm. That's all you have to do. That's the, the first step we need towards representation mm-hmm. is does your character need to be a dude? Mm-hmm. No. Does it make a difference if it's a girl? Then make it a freaking girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that that is. That is important. It, uh, when I was a kid and a little aspiring short story writer, and I don't have any writing tips, but what I always did was write short stories about like something like The Hunger Games or The Purge mm-hmm. that's like mm. stupid, but the fun was figuring out how a society or government could get so bad they'd allow either one of those things to happen and mm-hmm. justify it. And that would always mm-hmm. help me write a short story. So they were all about shit like this. And there were those are the stories that appealed to me to read and uh, appealed to me to write. And they're fun to strategize. I think about totally. all right, if I were in this situation, oh, what would man. I do? And the answer is die. I guess. Yes. Yeah. No. See, it's, you wouldn't be rude, die. It's not <laughs> fun for me to strategize no, because no, would... I think ritualized suicide. Honestly, I would just sit down and wait for someone to take me out. Yeah. I'm like I can't run. I can't fight. Um, I want to die flipping the double bird at the camera. I'm now I, riding myself, tying you to my back as I'm, we both win. <laughs> I may win, or at least stay alive a little bit longer by maybe making people laugh. I don't know. We'll figure yeah. it out. Well, there's also run and hide, I mean, is my second choice. That's and true. just let everyone kill everyone else. Um, and the, the, Eventually, they will get me, but hiding in a tree, 
That's a really good strategy. Until that circle closes in. Oh, wait, that's not Fortnite. The other thing we missed that I really wanted to talk about, because mm. I was a huge Conan O'Brien fan. Whatever, every, The way everybody talks about Letterman is the way me and my friends and my generation felt about Conan O'Brien. His show came on. We heard ourselves staying up so late to see this guy who just wanted to like, yeah, interview guests, but also like make this living cartoon every week that yeah. was weird and funny. <laughs> so weird and, and so fun. And this week he celebrated his fifth anniversary. In 1998. In 1998. Um, and Conan, and, and this, this one they, they film in Studio 8H, which is where SNL is filmed. So it's a bigger stage. Conan's on the fourth, was on the fourth floor at NBC. Then um, he moved up to 8H for a special, but his 10th anniversary special is available in some stores and Amazon on a DVD, it's it is one of my favorite funny things ever. Period. The Conan O'Brien 10th anniversary special. This is almost there because it has the clip packages, the special guests. Um, it's some of it is available on YouTube, but I love Conan so much, and it's really hard to dig out good chunks of it. So you should seek out the anniversary specials because about the fifth anniversary special, it was really the. This clip is from the fifth anniversary special, but it's a clip from the third anniversary special. Because the okay. third anniversary special was about the point where Conan and Andy and Max Weinberg didn't have to worry about being canceled every minute of every day. Because mm -hmm. if you've ever heard stories from someone who worked on the show, they were told they were canceled like every other week. Mm -hmm. Just pack it up. Oh, wait. Save execution. But one of the coolest things about it in terms of talk show drama, uh, we all know... We all know a certain talk show host was denied a spot on NBC mm -hmm. uh, and was always kind of bitter about it, but he was never too bitter to make an appearance on Conan. And he did it quite frequently, and he showed up for this anniversary, so pretend it's the fifth. I didn't, uh, I didn't mean to interrupt rehearsal. Uh, <laughs> congratulations uh, on your third anniversary oh, you again. Much. And listen, seriously, and in nine years... In nine years, you guys can switch networks and start making some real money. <laughs> yes, someone who loves Letterman Noice. and loves Conan and hates Jay Leno, it's like the perfect clip. Yeah. Perfect clip. Mm. Anyway, we have been 302010. Tell a friend about us. Uh, I think we're a good show, and I want to continue existing. How about mm -hmm. that? Is, that? is that good enough? Uh, but sure. let's close it out as we always do with a little birth and death. Start out with the deaths. Who died, Diana? Who died? Who was canceled okay. this week? Who? Yeah. Who, who oh, did God cancel? I'm hearing. Are you guys hearing an echo on me or no? Nope. No. Okay, I'll just take my cans off for a second then. All right. So uh, in 1988, we lost Roy Kinnear. Uh, he was 54, and this is an onset death. I think I've talked about a bunch oh. of times on all kinds of different podcasts. Uh, Roy Kinnear was a comic character actor. You'd recognize him as Veruca Salt's dad from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Veruca, sweetheart. <laughs> sweetheart. <laughs> what did now? Um, but he was in the Richard Lester directed uh, Three Musketeers movies with like Richard Chamberlain and, right. and Oliver Reed and all them that they made in the 70s. And in 88, they were making Return of the Musketeers. Um, his horse slipped on some cobblestones, it landed on him, broke his pelvis. He had a heart attack and he died. Whoa! Oh my and it was so bad that Richard Lester, who directed technically Superman, Superman 2 mm -hmm. and A Hard Day's Night and a bunch of movies that are actually very good and had a great career, he retired. He, he was just really? so wow. messed up by having a guy die on his watch. Holy shit. That's by horse. He died by yep. horse. This is why yep. I don't and ride his, horses. And his son, uh, 
Rory Kinnear, who looks like a ton like him, he's he pops up in everything now too. Mm. Really good actor. So that's the deaths. Okay. You want to talk about birds? Let's talk about birthday, birthday quiz. Oh, we have a very interesting individual for the I, birthday quiz. I hope week. you balance it out with an individual who's given birth by horse. <laughs> <laughs> I want to balance. <laughs> I don't know if this person has ever been on a horse. <laughs> okay. okay. She probably has. So, born September 17th, 1951. So, happy 67th birthday mm. to this lady who was born in Manhattan, Kansas. And... That makes sense to me so much that she'd be from the Midwest. <laughs> Manhattan, Kansas. Mm-hmm. Manhattan, Kansas. That is really going to confuse some aliens eventually. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Oh no! I don't know. They Those told poor us to meet us. Aliens. <laughs> Wait, that's why they always show up in the Midwest. Right. There you go. Right. Um, we were told to go to Manhattan. We were told to mo- go to Manhattan. Glee Florp. This can't be the right place. Okay. So <laughs> she worked as a go-go dancer and a showgirl in Vegas, where she briefly dated Elvis and Tom Jones. Okay. She's a topless dancer uh, in a couple things. Uh, she, it, she might be on the cover of Tom Waits' Small Change album, but she says she doesn't remember, but it looks like her. <laughs> also, she auditioned to play Ginger on Gilligan's Island. So it's not Priscilla Presley. No. No. Um, are you ready for a film career? Because it includes Fellini's Roma, wow. Diamonds Are Forever, Cheech and Chong's next movie, Alan Quartermain in The Lost City of Gold, and Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Okay, hold on. I can get it from Pee-wee's Big Adventure, surely. Jan Hooks? No. No, No. it can't be Jan Hooks. No, she is still with us. Okay, Jan Hooks. 67 does not look it. Looks amazing. Okay. Uh, Is she the girl in the Alamo with the big butt? No. No? Pee-wee's Big Adventure? Yeah, I mean, listing movies is kind of unfair because she's really more known for a TV hosting gig, which began in 1981 on a show called Fright Night. Is she at the end of Pee-wee's Big Adventure? I forget where she is. In the movie studio? Um, Elvira? Um, it is Elvira. <laughs> it is! What? Yes! No! Alexander Peterson. That's not fair. Sarah didn't even know yes. she was right. Yes. Uh, well done. Okay. Well, the last thing I got to say is that this show was executive produced by uh, Nick Harnamaji. Uh, I hope I'm saying your name right, buddy, but you know I know who you are. Hey, we're both in the same state now. What up? Let's hang out. Uh, and, and many other fine people at patreon.com slash laser time with through a little help keep the, our little dumb little network going thank you so much again for that and we encourage you to become a member we will close the show out with I'm Yours by Jason Mraz which is on the charts this week in 2008 tune in next week we'll probably talk try a lot more about Phil Hartman yeah <laughs> oh next week we have one of the greatest incidents in Motown history though Ooh, can't wait no more, no more, it cannot wait. I'm yours.